Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner and Jack Harper. No Sean Shoot again this week. The feeble excuse that he is tired from work, uh, straight out of the Jack Harper handbook, if I uh, do <laughs> say so. But second week, second week in a row for Sean. He's told us he's not here next week. We didn't have Jack two weeks ago, so it's going to be at least a month without having a four-man pod uh, on a Thursday. Unless TK wants to come in as a loan sign-in next week, we'll, uh, we'll see how we go. The matchup we'll be getting into this week is 2001's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, or the Sorcerer's Stone, if you're American, versus 1985's The Goonies. This is what we can call the Chris Columbus Derby. He uh, directed Harry Potter and he wrote The Goonies. How is everyone doing today? Yeah, all good. All good. First day back at work after a week off. Ready for the weekend. Crikey. First day back on a Thursday. Timed that perfectly, haven't I? Barely Thursday. seems worth it, mate. Oh, I actually what... think that's that's terrible. Tuesday's the ideal day to go back. Well, no, because I get two Tuesday. Work Tuesday. So yeah, you, don't... I... you never ever want to return to work on an actual Monday, do you? No. No, but Tuesday's the worst day of the week. It's not, though, is it? When, when Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe. You don't want to go back in on a Thursday for two days, right? You might as well just take two days. But, but this is the thing. I don't well, then, then you have a, you might as well take three days, because, again, you don't really want to go in on the Monday. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, last time I was off, I uh, came back on a Thursday, and it was quite nice, actually, having a short week. But I'd had a week off already, so it was like a week and a half I had off. So. No, no shock, no shock, really. You weren't doing work. Me? <laughs> Oh, I love any other day. Please. You work for, for a school. You get six weeks off in the summer. I don't. I'm not. <laughs> or I'd be off this week because it's half term. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Just means no stinky kids on the bus. Oh, it must take far less time for you to get to work in the morning. Uh, no, it doesn't actually. The bus still, like, the driver's obviously like to enjoy the time they can spend kind of sat there so they oh. still spend the same amount of time oh that's what that's weird yeah so anyway now that we've got everyone's work schedules uh confirmed um <laughs> harry potter and the philosopher's stone we will start with someone you having a rattle around there keenan is that you or jack not me someone's that sounds someone's open a pack of sweets no it wasn't me Right, well, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. The synopsis, an orphaned boy enrolls in a school of wizardry where he learns the truth about himself, his family, and the terrible evil that haunts the magical world. Keenan, you're not a Harry Potter fan, are you? I say this like it's an isolated thing, you're not being a fan of a film that we're doing, but... Right, you, I mean, three of them, two of them you picked essentially on the knowledge that I didn't like them at all. You, that you, wasn't you, the reasoning. You, you Not were like cackling as you were card. telling me. Sean's wild card as being the grey is quite literally because he knows you don't like it. 
I don't think he'll do that to me. I genuinely think, I actually think he's a better person than that. <laughs> to be fair, after sitting through Lord of the Rings, the grace should be a breeze for you. I, I don't think it will be. Anyway, um, so to answer your question, I, li- I like I like the books. I did like the books. Um, did I? Yeah, I did. I like I like, I did like them yeah. when I was a kid. They're not. I'm not as I'm not as into them as many other people are. No, I'd say I'm in the middle here, but then I know Jack doesn't like the films, so could be an interesting pod. I don't mean to put a damper on it, everyone. I do like the film. So, uh, critics <laughs> reviews, Keenan. We will divert to you in Sean's absence. Okay. Are you expecting positive reviews or are you expecting negative reviews? Uh, I think it'll be a mixed bag. There'll be people who have taken it on the merits of the film and will probably like it because of the enchanting. I'm not, you, know, you can't see me, but I'm using air quotes. The enchanting yeah. world um, that it creates. And then I think there'll be people who, like Jack, really like the books and they'll be like, oh, this is shit. As far as they go, this one is probably the most accurate to the book, so maybe the one Jack should have the least issue with. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's actually the one that I think I like the most. I think, I guess because the book's so short, it's quite easy to adapt yeah. to the film. It's quite a simple storyline as well, but I remember watching it for the first time. It just You've read the books for so many years, and then you get it brought to life in the screen, and there's something, as a kid, it's quite magical about that. Yeah. What's she getting paid by word at the end? Because they do like, they do jump <laughs> up in size, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> it's number. I think it's number four. And then it so, goes proper, doesn't it? She'd written the first four had been released when the first film comes out. That's right. And the, and the other books weren't out yet. But I've got a bit of trivia on that later. So the reviews. Uh, the Harry Potter movies are the rare series to defy the notion that the books are always better. There you go. I mean, like I said. <laughs> the first, the first two movies, good. I like Prisoner of Azkaban, and it all just gets a bit ridiculous, and they veer completely away from the film. Uh, the book, third one's the best one. Yeah, I think third one's pretty good. I guess, like they had a new director then as well, didn't they? Yeah. Um, this is the world-building moment for Harry Potter, and I loved it. It's sweet and endearing. The setup is so enjoyable to see. I think this is going to be like another Star Wars scenario where we had that comment where. They asked if we actually liked Star Wars, that we love it. But I've got, just, no, I've got quite a few things to say about meant, liking it. I meant more the same that we love it so much that we're hypercritical, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like our football teams, like it could just be better, but we still yeah. love it. Um, suffering from too much fantasy over too little reality, Sorcerer's Stone sets Harry Potter up for a longer and fruitful career as a screen legend. I guess they're calling it a setup act, like the previous review. Uh, even though a few of the book scenes have been cut, fans probably couldn't hope for a better adaption. It bodes well for the rest of the series when strong stories start taking precedence over setup. And then finally, the special effects aren't overwhelming and the ideas aren't too far fetched, but the story will reel in just about anybody. <laughs> the special effects. I mean, it hasn't aged particularly well. <laughs> um, like we've got Raiders of the Lost Ark technology for the ghosts when they come out the floor in the, the first time we see them. And then don't get me started on that Quidditch scene. The, the, the one where... Um, We're going to do a, a walkthrough on that as one okay. of our scenes. Okay. I'll run you through some trivia as always, but in as and when. 
so Alan Rickman was handpicked to play Snape by J.K. Rowling and received special instructions from her about the character. Rowling even provided him with vital details of Snape's backstory that weren't revealed until the final novel. Yeah, uh, the, the one thing you say about this movie is they got the cast completely spot on. Everyone yeah, and it could have been very different um, looking at some of this. So the filmmakers originally wanted to use Canterbury Cathedral as a filming location for some of the Hogwarts scenes, but the Dean of Canterbury refused to allow it, saying it was unfitting for a Christian church to be used to promote pagan imagery. Gloucester Cathedral agreed to take its place. The Dean of Gloucester, the uh, very Reverend Nicholas Berry, admitted to being a fan of the books. So there was a huge media outcry in Gloucester around the time when it was decided to use the cathedral. Protesters wrote letters by the sackload to local newspapers claiming it was blasphemy and promising to block the film crew's access. In the end, only one protester turned up. <laughs> that all feels very Gloucester. I was actually an extra. I think it was the Chamber of Secrets. Rocky, you really, you really were uh, ear to the ground. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember them filming it. I remember my mum taking me there. <laughs> That's how sad it was. Are you on screen at all? I feel like you'd have told me before if you were. Uh, no, I'm not. No. Yeah, I, you could pick I, yourself out. I feel I, I'd have known about it. Yeah, I think I would have sent it like a million times. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, I do seem to remember them. Certainly, in the, it was in the papers, but they're asking for extras. Yeah, it was kind of like. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing that you, you watch the film, you wait for it to come out, and then you go to the cinema, you're thinking. Right, where am I? And then you don't see yourself. I think that would ruin the film for me because I'd be so focused on every group scene, like, where am I? Am I there? Yeah, it was absolutely gutting. Moving game of where's Wally? I'm actually in, I'm I'm in the movie, I'm in the movie, I can't believe (laughs) it. Then come out of the cinema, cheers, son's crying. (laughs) Um, Warner Brothers originally considered making the entire Harry Potter film franchise as a set of computer animated movies or attempting to combine several of the novels into a single movie. The studio's reasoning mainly had to do with concern over the rapid ageing of child actors and actresses. If production ran too long on any of the films, or if production was delayed, then the leading actors and actresses might have to be recast. J.K. Rowland actually vetoed this, and, uh, and the idea of combining books and an animated movie. So the studio decided instead to produce all eight movies back-to-back, so that the same actors and actresses could play their roles in, it, in every film. I remember around the second film coming out, they were, there was quite a lot of fuss because uh, Daniel Radcliffe and it's Rupert Grint, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Their voices were breaking and you get it in the film, don't you, where their voices are actually cracking like partway through the film and I think it continues into Goblet of Fire. Mm. So it did work out quite well because none of them grew to look completely different to as they did in their younger days and they all kind of fill into each role nicely. So... As you said, they lucked out quite well with the casting. Yeah, 100%. Like, Daniel Radcliffe looks the same now as he did yeah. in the last movie. So they, I reckon they could have got another 10 years out of him. One of the only ones that didn't make it in me and Keenan discussed this the other day. It's one of Crab and Goyle, isn't it? Was it Crab? Where <laughs> yeah. he got caught up in the London riots. <laughs> he um, got No, he got caught selling drugs. He was a drug so, he was caught smoking and he was caught nicking in the London riots because I, oh, I went no to contact him for an interview and wondered why his IMDb had been quite blank. Uh, Googled his name to try and find the contact and stumbled upon that. And I thought, yeah, he's probably not going to want to chat about this. <laughs> that is brilliant. Um, 
The filmmakers attempted to go the extra mile of matching the kids' appearances to how the novel describes them by fitting Daniel Radcliffe with green-coloured contact lenses and similarly making Emma Watson wear fake buck teeth. But when Daniel's eyes reacted strongly to the contacts and Emma Watson couldn't talk clearly with the fake teeth in her mouth, the ideas were dropped. Ah. That would have been odd. <laughs> I always wondered why they just didn't cast him with green eyes, but now I know. Yeah, the contact lenses, I guess you're probably in the minority of ones spotting that as being something. Because a lot of people, I guess, didn't even read the books, but the yeah. buck teeth thing makes a lot of sense. Like, unless they were going to specifically cast someone with buck teeth. Yeah. And convince them once they're getting money to not get their teeth fixed. Yeah, like they they make a big thing about him and his mum having green eyes. Yeah. In the books, but th- those contact lenses are the devil. I remember buying some for Halloween myself. Gen- genuine contact lenses are the devil in themselves. Well, I like I, I got home and I thought right, I'm gonna put these red contacts in, and I didn't even give a like a second thought when I was buying them. In it, I've never put anything in my eye before. I got home. It's weird, isn't it? I could not get them in. The sensation. I'm just like, right now, throw them in the bin. What? Well, I went on a night out with uh, TK and Max and some others in uh, Nottingham, and went out in contact lenses. Um, oh, and I where I've been drinking, when I got back, yeah, I was convinced I still had them in, and so I was up for hours trying to get them out, and even had to go to A and E the next day. Uh, and like in Toy Story Two. Um, when Woody's getting cleaned up, they essentially had to put some dye in my eye and then drag the equivalent of like a like an earbud oh. across my eyeball to see if it was going to kind of peel off a contact lens. And then I had to put this cream in my eyes for the next week or so. I've got really like thick, long eyelashes. And so it was essentially just smear into my glasses every time I put them on. Like, I need windscreen wipers. It was a traumatic week. That sounds absolutely horrible. It was the same night that uh, it was uh, Frotch Groves 1. So it was a rough night for me the whole way through. First of all, my eyes are in tatters. I can just about watch the boxing and I see Howard Foster rob me of my dreams. (laughs) I've actually watched a mate after a night out try and remove a contact lens for 10 minutes before he realised it was... It's so weird, yeah. I just seen him scratching and pinching at his eyeball. Because and... so, so in the end, I just went to sleep. And so then when I woke up, my eyes were hurting. I was like, all right, they must be in my eyes. I must have just made it worse, whether they oh, were this wherever they making This makes me feel so ill. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, TK hates really... eyes as well. Um, <laughs> a giant casting what if here. Um, Robin Williams asked for a role in the movie without pay. He wanted to play Hagrid. Um, wow. He, he didn't get it because J.K. Rowling wanted a cast strictly from the British Isles. That was her apparently her thing. Like she, this is why there's so many kind of great actors that would have stepped in. Not to say the actors in this aren't great, but they could have had like a blockbuster cast with the hype going into this. But she was quite insistent that uh, it had to be a strictly British cast. Yeah, I'm glad they stuck to that. I think, and it's Robbie Coltrane, isn't it? The yeah. Actor. Yeah, yeah, he is exactly how I imagine Hagrid. Yeah, is. yeah, he's brilliant. Um, Richard Harris only agreed to take in the part of Dumbledore after his 11 year old granddaughter threatened never to speak to him again. <laughs> again, uh, R- Richard Harris is exactly how I imagine Dumbledore, and Gambon just plays him completely the opposite. <laughs> 
I, I usually, as I say, I usually go to Sean for the question, so I'll go to you this time, Jack. How many pairs of glasses do you think they went through filming every Harry Potter film? Oh, that's a good question. Um, am I, is it under or over 100? Over. Considerably, or...? I feel like I'm going to give you the number. Okay, here, okay. I'm going to, no. I'm going to, I'll go with 384. Uh, 160. But even still, yeah, 160 when, pairs when, of glasses is when, uh, quite something. When you said that, I thought it was going to go big. Yeah. yeah. When I first read it, I thought it was just for the first film. I was thinking, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> um, in order to understand what he believed to be caretaker Filch's lonely lifestyle, David Bradley and his cat rented an isolated Irish cottage in which to live for a month before filming began. I'm putting this in the same bracket as Charlie Sheen claiming he had to go out partying for three days before filming Ferris Bueller so he could look the part. <laughs> it, it seemed, surely he just wanted to rent a nice little cottage in Ireland and this seemed a perfect excuse. The way they say he rented it with his cat, like the cat's chipping in. <laughs> and the thing is, well, he plays every character the same way. Yeah, and like, Filch doesn't even have a massive role in the first one, so it's not no, like... like he plays Walter Frey exactly how he plays Filch. So, uh, did he do the same thing for that? <laughs> he's just getting by every director. He's like, you know, my my acting, you've got to put me up in this nice swanky <laughs> cottage. Um, all of the food that you see in the Great Hall, all of you... All of the food you see, sorry, in the Great Hall feasts are real. Chris Columbus wanted a very elaborate welcome feast to match the description in the book with roast beef, ham, turkey and all the trimmings. Unfortunately, filming under the hot stage lighting for hours at a time quickly caused the food to develop an unpleasant odour. Despite the meat being changed every two days and the vegetables twice a day for the following films, they decided they would take samples of real food, froze them and make moulds instead. That must have been hellish if some of those scenes. That must have stunk. Yeah. Like, it's like when you open the food caddy when you cook it. That just horrible waft that makes yeah, you. Yeah, because, like, veg, kind of any time other than when you're eating it is quite a funky smell anyway. Yeah. Them under hot lights for hours at a time. The first day they did that must have been even worse because it was bad enough where they've said they need to change the veg twice a day. So the first day before they realised this must have been rough. Uh, by February 2002, this was the second highest grossing movie worldwide. Which film that came out in 1997 was number one at the time, Keenan? Say again, sorry, mate. Came so, out in 1997? Yeah. Titanic, is it? Oh, sorry, okay. Correct, yes. Um, sorry, you threw me off then. That's all right. As his audition... Rupert Grint sent a video of himself rapping while explaining why he wanted the part of Ron. That must have been quite something. Um, that must be horrific, surely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, Robbie Coltrane's six foot ten body double for Hagrid is former England rugby international player Martin Bayfield. I'm not a rugby man, so I don't know if he was a big player and if that's a great piece of trivia or if he rugby didn't go so well, so he's gone into being a stuntman. I don't really remember him, but uh, like in, in the books, he's like seven, eight foot tall. Yeah, he's nine foot when I did the Google, so yeah, I've that always, would have looked ridiculous. I've always wondered, like, so basically, his mum is a giant and his dad was a normal human. Giants 
the small ones are like 16 to 17 foot tall. That's an image in itself. So with the, the mechanics of that mating ritual, yeah. I never quite understood how that would work. No, apparently he's, uh, I don't know, his uh, filmography only lists him in the second one. Uh, who, Martin Bayfield? Yeah. And maybe they just got it to a T at that point, and so they just film him from different shots or whatever. So, that's fair. I was just having a look. See, yeah. I, he played for England for five years, 34 caps. He must have been must have been about. They they get the size right for him, this one, don't they? Because he looks massive compared to everyone else, but he doesn't look ridiculous to the point like... Yeah, well, he's, he's, he's quite... stealing every scene, like, look how big yeah. he is. Yeah, well, I suppose, they, I mean, if he's 6'10", and you angle the camera you make him look you can make him yeah. look bigger so plus as well um, like, if, if he's going to be like eight ten foot then they won't be able to get him in the frame no no so be like tom and jerry having him in the fr- having him in the frame with like obviously the kids who but the, are young enough yeah. as they do as they do it as well probably else because it just gives a bigger perspective doesn't it yeah. for sure um this is the only harry potter movie where harry doesn't cast a single attacking spell Daniel Radcliffe was reportedly paid one million for this movie, but he insists at the time it wasn't about the money, which is easy to say when you're being paid a million. At that age, though, do you even know how much a million quid is? I think, yeah, I think it probably seems even more at that age. I mean, if you don't, I guarantee your mum and dad do. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they they tried. I don't know if I have this down. Um, No, I don't. So... They actually rejected the role on his behalf four times until eventually uh, they made a deal where essentially he wouldn't have to be subjected to too much press because that's what they were worried about. Um, that's pretty cool. They, they wanted to just keep him in school and say that he can carry on with the acting later on. Um, he had a role when he was younger, which I'm sure one of you will be able to tell me. If not, I'll Google it. But um, one of those stories that you kind of hope it's true because it sounds good. Um, oh, my internet's taking a while, so there we go. Um, so his first role was in David Copperfield, a miniseries. So apparently uh, Chris Columbus saw him in this in 1999 and for two years was like, I need to work with this kid. He's going to be, he's it. Like, And he begged and begged and begged his parents like, there's no one else I even want to see in this. And I don't think I took the lad's name down. Uh, so basically what happened was, after he's rejected him uh, so many times, they offer the role to someone else. He accepts it, and then Daniel Radcliffe's parents or whoever calls back up and says, all right, I'll do it. And so they have to call this other kid back up and say, I know we just got your hopes up, but you're going to be Harry Potter in this massive no. franchise for a million yeah, we actually aren't going to include you anymore. So, uh, thank you, but no thank you. The thing is, what I don't get is that they know how successful the books are at this point, and obviously they've released four of them. Yeah. It's not even it's not even like a risk versus reward. Are it's going to be subjected to a lot of press, but and it might not go that way. Like, you know, this movie is going to be a stonewall hit. Why? Yeah, but it why? might actually genuinely just be. He's like, it might not be a money thing. It might actually just be that they're decent about it, and they're worried about uh, like becoming a star at a young age and, and falling off and falling no. off I mean he wouldn't be the first one and let's be honest if he'd have done it after this he wouldn't be um, wouldn't be the last 
No, I, t- I to- totally get that. I totally get it. But like, if he grows up and his parents stopped him from being Harry Potter and he understands what that means when he's older, yeah, that would that would throw me off just as so, if being a child star. I think the kid that was going to be uh, Harry Potter. I don't know if any of you saw those Narnia films when we were kids. Uh, the kid that plays uh, Peter, the main kid in that, was initially Harry Potter, and then they take it away from him. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it worked out all right for him, though. Yeah, not too bad. Um, he's done all right there. I don't actually know. I know they made. I think they made like three of the Narnia films, right? I remember the first one. Um, and I'm pretty sure my mum would stick it on at Christmas. But yeah, I think by the time the second one came around, I was I was done with it. So. Liam Neeson as a lion didn't have the same impact. Has there been um, anything else decent? Sorry. Not too sure. Friend request? I feel like you've seen that. I haven't, but I know the premise. They, there's about eight of... The fact he's in that tells me it probably hasn't gone to plan for him. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, mate. I've, I thought he was do, done well for himself, but I'd be fucking raging. Yeah, Isn't this called the Royals for three years on in America? Yeah, I've just seen that, and it's a shit gets regal, and that's that says enough for me to not watch that ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did that Artemis Fowl thing as well, but all Italian man, so cameo. <laughs> um, the uh, that friend request film, there was a thing for about like three four years where directors just realised they could make a film over like Skype or Facebook Messenger and then you just got uh, like a flurry of them so it's not one I think you're going to stop and go back and watch so yeah poor bloke yeah rough uh, Tom Felton originally auditioned for the role of either Harry or Ron before getting the part of Draco that's he another don't... one that looks like a great bit of casting he uh, doesn't do a great deal these days, does he? I mean, if he made he, his money and was happy to he, he does quite... He, he's done enough. Like He's he's had a good career. He was in um, Planet of the Apes playing a bastard in that as well. Um, oh, he was in that. Yeah, you're right. Because yeah. he starts tasing uh, Caesar, doesn't he? And then uh, he gets overthrown. Do you think mm. the fact that he was in all of them only 10 years ago, they finished doing Harry Potter. And then he's in Planet of the Apes the same year. And yeah, in fairness, it's tough to top that. When you've done that for 10 years straight, for people to not see you as Draco Malfoy and to get roles. I think that might be a lot of it, mate. I mean, he was in A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting. Don't think it's quite the same, is it? No, because he's been in The Flash, um, which obviously is pretty successful. Mm. And, yeah. a James, and a James Arthur music video. <laughs> I mean, Daniel Radcliffe has done so well to not be just seen as Harry Potter. I mean... Well, he just makes films that he likes now, doesn't he? Like, yeah. He, Elijah Wood kind of does the same thing, where I've made my cash, I'd rather just make the films that I think sound funny. Were they not randomly in something together, those two? I, I, I can imagine as a director, that would be something that you would chuckle to yourself about doing, but I don't know. I'm convinced they were in a thing together about a detective. But I could be lying to you. Elijah Wood had a great cameo in the uh, incredible Spy Kids 3D. God almighty. Shocking. Um, yeah, going back to Daniel Radcliffe, I think Harry Potter is actually the films that I least enjoy in them. I mean, Imperium, Jungle, and that most recent one is in about the prison escape in Pretoria. Yeah. 
Like, they're all brilliant films. <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, in the original draft, Drew Barrymore, a self-proclaimed Harry Potter fan, had a cameo. Don't know what happened there, but obviously she didn't get the cameo. <laughs> How different... Sorry. I was just going to say, I don't know if you've, if you've got anything about Peeves in your trivia. Yeah. Okay, I'll leave it to you. Yeah, so um, how different things could have been. Um, after Steven Spielberg dropped out, he recommended M. Night Shyamalan to be the director of this project. <laughs> all right, did you throw in a twist ending? What would you twist? Uh, that bloke is Nick to live in, I'm telling you. <laughs> Voldemort's your dad. <laughs> no, how would you throw in a twist ending? It's based on a, it's like, it's based on a book. He can't do a lot yeah. of it. Can't <laughs> uh, I'll never forgive him for... Uh, making the village look like it could be like the greatest film kind of of that genre at the time. I remember it coming out and it was, I think it was a 12A when it came out, but it looks incredibly cool. And then garbage. And then I think he bought into uh, putting a twist kind of thing because he just went OTT every time. Three billion, Byron. Well, that's what he's worth. That's no, that's what he's grossed. That's what his films are grossed. You say he's nicking a living. Well, well, um, yeah, he he's the master of whoever his trailer guy is. That's who the person is that deserves the cash because they do a great job for him. He's got another. He's got another film coming out soon as well. Yeah, that actually does look quite good. So oh. <laughs> he's reeled you in again. <laughs> well, think, yeah, that's the thing. I do. I do still watch it each time. So that's probably part of my uh, irritation. Um. So yeah, as you said here, Jack, several minor characters have been removed from the film version, most prominently Peeves the Poltergeist, although actor Rick Mayle was cast in the movie, but his scenes were ultimately cut from the film and never released. Um, he was interviewed about this later on, and he was asked kind of what he thought, and he said, I thought the film was shit when I was in it, and I think the film's shit now without me in it. Um, <laughs> he said he was just a gig at the time to get into. So he said, would you... Um, uh, I was paid, so it's easy for me. Like, I don't know why people think I'd be bothered about this. Can I just say something that I've, I've literally just learned and I'm a little bit shook by? Go on. M. Night Shyamalan, do you know what film he did the screenplay for? I'm worried. The own, solely the, solely the, the screenplay? No. Stuart Little. <laughs> I think I did know that before. I, that. <laughs> that I did not know that. It? <laughs> obviously not something that stuck with me maybe my, my mind kind of got rid of that, that memory once I knew of it that's amazing yeah, that's very <laughs> odd um, so Norbert is mentioned to have been taken away by Dumbledore in the film whilst in the book Harry and Hermione had to take him by hand to Charlie Weasley's friends uh, according to Cloves it was the one part of the book that Rowling felt easily could be changed and as a result the reason for the detention in the Forbidden Forest was changed I guess it's quite good Jack tying into what you said earlier that you can list out the changes between the book and the film here in a little Wikipedia paragraph like it's it's not like a long list that requires a whole page of its own yeah like I said I mean that, that, that's why I like the first couple of movies because they're just the most close to the book and then like, in the later films you have complete storylines that they focus chapters on in the book just kind of skated over and what? in the last movie they actually I think it's something to do with Dumbledore's sister which is like something that troubles Harry throughout the entirety of the book and makes him stop trusting Dumbledore and then yeah. 
like in the actual movie it's like i don't care about that that story just tell me about this and it's like oh that's just it's painful it's painful i was telling uh, jack about this yesterday keenan and they added in some bits of dialogue that weren't included in the film just to kind of help with the, the smooth running of the film and the plot mm. and they obviously had to show it to jk rowling to get signed off and she had to change some of it because they fully bought into the fact that Snape was a villain, which we kind of see in the end of the final book, but that's not entirely the case. And mm. so they had some dialogue in there that essentially, like, he was giving it the one day Potter uh, and this kind of stuff. And they had to say, no, it, in the end, this isn't going to be how it's, it's going to go. So it was going to alter the course of how the next, like, six films would go if they'd left these couple of bits of dialogue in. So, Christ. She got her uh, claws in it and said, what are you playing at? Um, if we do, as last time, uh, scene by scene, so the scenes I've taken down are either the ones where you kind of search the film and movie clips in YouTube, they're the ones that stand out, or the ones that I just feel are worth us discussing for any kind of thing that takes place in there. First thing that we get, this is the first time we hear that Harry Potter theme song. It's a great theme song as far as the movie goes. Like, it's catchy, it's synonymous with the film, it's one that sticks with you. And just the way they open this film, it's a nice little tone to get going on. Mm. What, what sticks in my mind about this song is humming it during class <laughs> and just winding up the teachers. And then and you'd do it for long enough that enough people would join in and no one knew where it was coming from. It was that in the Jurassic Park theme tune. The Jurassic it. Park one, weirdly, they they used right. to drive one of my one of the blocks, one of the blocks I worked for. It was randomly at like a phase in our office where people would hum the Jurassic Park theme tune to the <laughs> point that he had to send like a staff-wide email out and just be like, I don't know who this is, <laughs> but just stop it. I think I think I prefer the Back to the Future one over both. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'd that. probably say the Harry was Potter my alarm one. tune briefly. It's the Lord of the Rings one at the moment. The problem with Certainly it is your alarm as you learn to hate it. I've made that many a state, many a mistake with my favourite songs. I now hate. I just hear them in the morning all the time. Which yeah, I'm not I'm not missing too much. Like if, if I go off the Hobbit one, that's that's fine by me. Like, <laughs> it, it used to be um I had it the the alarm song. I was just I was really struggling to get up um because I would kind of sub, subconsciously just tear out sleeping through my alarm. And I set it to uh, Chelsea Smile by Bring Me the Horizon. And then I was just waking up in a foul mood for however long it was, because it was just so aggressive to open up on full volume that I couldn't take it anymore. I had to go back to a film. I've got that horrible siren klaxon one. (laughs) The alarm. Horrible. Gets me up, but I'm fuming every time I get up. Um. The opening scene that we get here, so you've got Dumbledore kind of taking in the lights with his uh, little contraption, McGonagall turning from a cat into herself, you've got Hagrid on the flying bike. It kind of sets up the medal of the worlds nicely, doesn't it? Like, this isn't just a standard magic film where just everything is magical. You've kind of got that in between, which is part of the charm of Harry Potter, isn't it? Like, the whole storyline that goes throughout the whole thing is that the two worlds kind of go on side by side and so you get these crossovers like 
later yeah. you get Ron's dad being obsessed with the muggle side of things and I think Dumbledore says about Sherbet Lemons writing this opening scene just to kind of set things off you're definitely right and I think that's the draw isn't it you feel like there could be a wizard living on your street and that's the magic of it I think, we, I think the birds are moving into Keenan's room. They've been getting gradually louder <laughs> as we've been going on. You haven't got a nest in your room, have you, Keenan? No, I have to admit, no. I don't even notice them unless you say it. It's a bit, it's a bit of scenery for everyone. The flying bike is a uh, is a nice touch. And I think when I was younger, when you kind of take things differently as you see each film, I just think it's a bit strange that Hagrid's so emotional considering like he's probably never met Harry before. But then I did realise two of his mates have just been blown up. So it does make a lot more sense from that perspective. And this is a nice way to introduce you to Hagrid, isn't it? Yeah. When he says, McGonagall says, um, is it wise to be trusting Hagrid with such a task? And he says, I would trust Hagrid with my life. Yeah, great guy. Because he's kind of the only guy who, I'm from memory, so Jack, you probably clarify, there's never any kind of, twists and turns in his character like even in the second one where they try accusing Hagrid of uh, being the one that's kind of letting out the, the basilisk it's never done in a way where it's being sold as him being anything but good hearted like the whole way through there's never a point as to which his intentions are questioned where it's just about every other character in the film yeah do have the ups and downs with them that's true that's 100% correct yeah because like um, even even in the second one when he has what turns out to be that spider he's doing yeah you can look after it not because he wants to kill anyone yeah then we go into Harry the first time we see him waking up in his in his cupboard um, and it's just kind of the best way to introduce you to him they have the parallel with Dudley jumping down the stairs um, one of the first things I thought and I think every time I see these films when we said about the casting. I don't think they could have cast three more dislikable faces than the ones they have as the Dursleys. Like it's perfect, the ones that they've picked because they all have the perfect amount of smugness. Like it's it's not like a caricature or anything like that. As kind of being a bad guy, they just look like snide, easy to dislike people. The way uh, his uncle squints his eyes constantly as he's making a point and little things like that. Right from the jump, you do hate these characters. No, and honestly, they could not have got the casting in this movie any better. <laughs> Everything is just so bang on. So you've got him jumping on the stairs to have the dust going in there, and then he goes out into the kitchen and he's forced to make breakfast. Um, uncle says, Cook the breakfast, try not to burn anything, and bring me my coffee. So we're led to believe that he's 10 in this film because he says, Not every day you turn 11. So he's just got this 10-year-old cooking fry-ups for the family in the, in the kitchen while they're uh, opening up presents. But considering they don't actually trust him as the film goes on, they certainly have faith in him to deliver a good fry-up. Well, I guess if you teach him one thing, teach him yeah. <laughs> As you've got Dudley at the same time complaining that he hasn't got 38 presents. So it all worked quite nicely, that scene. For a scene, for a film, when you look at the critics' reviews and the, a lot of the complaints, so this is a setup film, or even if it's not critique, it's something they're pointing out. Like the next film's going to be better because they've got kind of the wizarding world out of the way in this one. 
it's quite quick to get going. Like they don't force you to sit through. This is Harry. This is what happened to his family. This is this. Like the one we always compare to on here has been Man on Fire in terms of like this is very much here. I'm setting things up so we don't have to get back to this later. Like they they're at the zoo and you're seeing magic within the first twenty minutes of the film started. Again, they must just be banking on the fact that this is the best selling children's and adults but really in like that time that someone in one household has probably read it or knows also you don't need thinking... to explain too much do you because the first chapter in the book is from uh it's vernon isn't it i keep going to say that and questioning his uncle is is vernon isn't it yeah vernon does yeah. um so the, the first chapter in the book's from his and the auntie's perspective isn't it and then you have the scene with dumbledore and hagrid and um, you know what? I don't remember. I I'm don't... near certain I read this yesterday. Well, so my, my point is basically that there's a lot of like you get what you need here. You've got he's in a cupboard, he's with this horrible family, his parents are dead, he has these abilities that he doesn't quite know what to do with because he says no funny business and yeah. so on. Yeah. Um, when he gets to the zoo, first observation I had quite a calm conversation with the snake considering it's the first time he's ever spoken to a snake like if if i'm at a zoo and suddenly i realize the snake knows what i'm saying my next question isn't going to be how was burma when you were there nice <laughs> the fact he's got the presence of mind to ask that question like, <laughs> that's what i mean <laughs> yeah it's just I, I said this at work and they were like he's 11 and i was like you're still going to be freaked out like this is a weird thing <laughs> I guess maybe it's one of those children things though where nothing phases you. Like that imagination is like, Dad, I just talked to a tree. Like you, you probably thought that you had. Maybe you just thought that. It's, it's very odd. Like even the just the questions he asks, he doesn't even ask like, how is this happening? Or anything like that. Yeah, which is the usual film. I was burned. He's like, oh, I was bred in captivity too. It's got quick wit, isn't he, for talking to snakes? Yeah, exactly. I bet that snake liked him as well. Setting him free. Good conversationist. Yeah. What do you think about, you mentioned about the graphics. What do you think about the graphics for this scene? It's not actually that bad. It's not as bad. Especially, like, you can get over it. Do you know what I mean? It's pretty decent. You you don't like snakes, do you, Keen? I'm not saying anyone loves them, but I'm <laughs> no, I fucking don't. doesn't like them. <laughs> no, I fucking don't. If I honestly, if a snake was talking to me, I, my one question would be, please leave me alone. Like, actually, oh. physically stay away from me. You do a Without podcast. Think, with, you do a podcast with Sean each week. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, if a snake came near me, I would be <laughs> trying to cut its head off like you do in the last film. It, <sighs> I think I think they served well by. Uh, not having the snake say too much like it says thanks and that's it like if the snake that early on in the film before you're kind of immersed in the world is having a full-on conversation <laughs> and I yeah. think it would have been a bit odd but my question to you Keaton was going to be considering your your feelings on snakes is this done like in a way like there's there's no real like you're not looking at the snake like Christ this is this is a horrible thing no but I also don't know. I don't know where my. I don't know where my. When my fear of snakes started. Do you like the so snake I, in Jungle Book? Can't. <laughs> no, like I think it was because I saw this film 
excuse me. I remember seeing this. Like, I watched this in the cinema when I was a kid. This yeah, and the same. second one. Like, I, know, I wasn't very old when this came out. No. Um, and I don't remember being scared of the snake in it. I remember randomly, this is just a weird one about snakes. Uh, when I was in nursery school, and you'll have to forgive me because I'm probably exaggerating the size of the snake, but <laughs> when I was in nursery school, I was about three or four. We were all like sat in a circle one day, and a girl that I went to school with, I went to school with her like, for the whole time that I was at school. Her dad just used to keep exotic animals. I assume he still does. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, to like the point of they they brought in a brought in like some tarantulas, some lizards and stuff, and then it was like, oh yeah, we'll take the kids outside. We were all sat in a circle, and out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> this fellow brings out this fucking python that I swear to God was thirty feet big. I it is the it, like as I again I know I'm remembering it. I probably remember it bigger than I was. As I was sat there, like this thing was like over my knees, and it, it was just trading around in a circle. They're like, yeah, you can just touch it if you want. <laughs> like, and you thought like none of the kids. Like, I remember none of the kids thought nothing of it, nothing of it. And I think about it now, it's like. If this thing would have decided to fucking <laughs> strangle one of us, there is nothing anyone could have done. You'd have been dead so fast, it would have been out of this world. Is that a Conda film, like your worst nightmare? Oh, I've never seen it. I ain't watching that. No. Has Goth ever told you the story about when we went to Thailand and we went to, uh, to watch a show about snakes? No, but it seems odd that you would go there. Is this like yeah, you're not liking Star Wars, but watching five of the five I've films. seen three of them. Oh, I went. We were in Thailand. I did a lot of things in Thailand. that weren't particularly interested in. I climbed the fucking mountain. You, you, you saw sake. a lot of shows in Thailand that you got to see. You're over there. <laughs> Great table tennis now. Um, as Toft, I'm actually really good at table tennis <laughs> um, compared to any other sport. Anyway, so I'm probably about a five on a scale. Um, but we were there and. There are two things that happened that I'll tell you. One, because they both might make you chuckle. The first one was this guy was like, oh, yeah, these are the jumping snakes. Fucking threw something out of his hand, landed about six inches away from me. I actually, like, screamed, and it turned out it was obviously a plastic snake. Next one, he actually brings out this proper snake that jumps. As it's coming towards me, the one fella grabs my ankles. Everyone's clambering up these steps. <laughs> I swear to God, I know it sounds like I'm lying, but I swear to God, the bloke grabbed my ankles and stopped me from getting away. <laughs> Fucking hell, I, have all, I, am, I am probably about an inch away from breaking his jaw with my other foot. <laughs> <laughs> I have never kicked out at anything so hard in my life. If I would have connected, I'd have broke his jaw. I'd have fucking shattered him. And then the last snake they brought out was a king cobra. And they were like, yeah, come on, get in front of it. You can have a photo. And they're like, obviously, cobras aren't like massive, massive. So they're like, yeah, hey, kneel down and all. Well, you can ask off this and he'll tell you. Um, I was that scared of the cobra, I couldn't look at the camera. So <laughs> the snake was behind me and like, my mate was goffy, was in front of me trying to take a photo. And I don't know how long I was there for. In my head, it feels like I was there for about five minutes trying to get this photo. But I couldn't <laughs> take one of my eyes off the snake. I was that scared. It was like, Joe, you, know, you see like the stupid stereotype or in cartoons about snake charmers. Yeah. That, that snake actually full on had a hold of me i couldn't i couldn't <laughs> look at the camera in focus because i was basically in my head i was like if i turn around i'm dead <laughs> i remember waking oh. up from a night in zante having a picture with a snake where someone's just brought that onto the strip like this will be a yeah they always day. do yeah they always do <laughs> when you said about exotic pets this must have been a thing for like the 90s early 2000s because there was a kid in my primary school who had a pet monkey and he brought it into school 
like a capuchin, like the one in Friends, or like just an actual like. Gym? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, like the one in Friends. That's a that's a good uh, comparison. Yeah. Now, I I yeah. swear, I, page. I don't know who I can ask about this, but I know like just remember being like the lyric that I, like, I live off. I live almost off dead opposite the school as well, and I know yeah. exactly where it was. And yeah, I just like we were in a circle, and it was like yeah. Just basically like taking this snake for a walk, and like, I think about it now, and I'm just like, there's no way on earth do you get away with that these days. But it, that would have yeah. been like that would have been the night. Is that might have been in and around the time that this film was coming out, mate? I guess back in the nineties, everything was just so much more innocent, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I nearly just ruined that with a joke about how close Keenan can be to a school. But well, I, was, I, uh, I was just about refrained. to say that, like back then, you'd oh, be able Cuba to. Oh, Cuba Gooding Junior, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> group of kids if you want to see the snake that would not be weird yeah i mate, i just i like i think about it i just think there's no way like this thing as i say if this thing would have decided that it wanted to kill kill one of us or to like squeeze us to death the only like there's actually nothing that anyone could have done it like, maybe again it might be smaller than i remember it in my head but in my head this thing was fucking massive this thing was basically the basilisk the second one of these <laughs> like it was oh crazy uh, where were we? Oh yeah. So next thing we do is uh, we get no post on Sundays, and this 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 couple of scenes that eventually gets to uh, all of the letters coming down the chimney. Harris jumping around like he's in the final stage of the crystal maze, trying to get hold of one of these uh, envelopes. Why does he not just pick one up off the floor? There's like two hundred in the house already, and he's jumping up and down. Poor planning on his part. And what you would have done is you just sneaked one, wouldn't you? Just shoveled out your jumping yeah. and still pretended. He's having the time of his life. Uh, what else have we got? Okay, so they then travel to this like remote shack lighthouse like in the middle of nowhere, which they get their hands on very quickly. It's impressive. and I don't know how they got out there. And we, we get Hagrid. We kind of see Harry and Hagrid reunited. We see the first use of magic properly with his uh, umbrella. This is probably one of the more rewatchable scenes. And I say that because for about three years, I think there would barely be a week without Jack sharing or being tagged in the uh, You're a Wizard Harry post on Facebook. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it's just the... I had to watch it back after I watched the movie. I paused it so I could watch... And everyone knows the one we're on about, don't we? The weird fucking computer. Animated, yeah. yeah. Honestly. Do you know this, Keenan? What's that, sorry? The You're a Wizard Harry clip that kind of did the rounds for a number of years. No. I don't oh, know where no. you've been if you haven't, because Jack, you're lucky you didn't have Jack on Facebook. I've only recently become friends with Jack on Facebook. No, I'm, I mean just he was he was sharing it. I, I say I must have seen it once a week for about three years. Yeah, so I mean it, I definitely wouldn't have yeah. seen that. And then it moved on to the I think there's one where it was Shrek in a similar animation style. So <laughs> carried on in that way. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just thinking about it now. <laughs> it's just it, it was better than that horrible um, Harry Potter, you know that music thing. I forgot what it was called. Which one? The um, one. It was um it was like there was a bomb, it was something ticking and there was a little YouTube oh, clip. Yeah, that, that 
that, that was that was like Bebo Flashbox era. We're yeah. Talking, we're talking yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Harry takes the news pretty well, doesn't he? He's like, You're a wizard. I'm just Harry. Which odd way to react to it. But even then, he doesn't have that many questions. He's just like, oh, yeah, cool, yeah. fair enough. He's like Hagrid could have sold him anything. He could have been anyone. And there he goes off into the, the wizarding world, never to be seen again. Gives him that cake that <laughs> Dudley's feasting on. Gets that little pigtail on him. It's, it's a great little scene. It is a great scene. Threatening him but, with the broom saying, yeah, you don't talk down on the name Dumbledore in, in, in my presence and all of that. I mean, the, the you got to hand it to Vernon Dursley that he was he was shooting Hagrid. <laughs> yeah. if, if Hagrid hadn't bent it, his ass was smoked. He was on job. <laughs> <laughs> and then that little bit where Hagrid says, oh, I suppose you can stay here if you want. And he has that last little look back and then the Harry Potter soundtrack kicks in again. And then next thing we see, he is in uh, Diagon Alley. The question I have for both of you, and I did have for Sean, um, I think I may have told you both. Better entrance to a pub, Harry entering the Leaky Cauldron or the Major entering the Abbey after all of those years? I'm I'm going for Harry Potter, I think. It's the wrong wrong answer. (laughs) That's a bold answer. It could have been Legend as well. Could have had that. That's a good entrance to a pub. Don't get me started on that film. Oh, I forget you don't like that film. Well, you had someone doing the narration that was dead, which was a major stumbling block for me. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I always forget you. You're not a fan. I quite like that film, actually. Uh, wasn't for me. Um, yeah, we've got Harry buying his wand and uh, all of that business, and we kind of got the integration of the two worlds coming to again. The Hogwarts Express. Um, would it have killed Hagrid to wait... An extra few minutes to just tell him how to get onto the platform. I know. He's very inconsiderate on his part. I mean, he's probably thinking, fuck it, I've got him here, I've done enough. Seen a bit. Also, uh, sorry, Joe, I was going to say, also going to the same destination. Yeah. <laughs> but he says he has to meet Dumbledore, doesn't he? To yeah. give him, uh... I, I know. He does say I've got to meet him, but I mean, surely, if, you're, if you care so much about this kid, you say, look, I'll, I'll see you in six hours. Even just say, like, how you get onto the platform is you go between platform nine and ten. Yeah. He's, all, he's not he's not exactly delivering a perishable. Right? He's not, it's not going to be his sell-by date. But yeah, all right, done with yeah. I'll see you in six hours, mate. There we go. Um, you also have that Gringotts scene that we missed out. But Warwick Davis turning down a role in Lord of the Rings to be a part of to be one of the goblins in Gringotts is an interesting choice. What was the part in Lord of the Rings? He he went for Gimli and then would have got a role, they said. Yeah, we don't know what the role was, though, if it wasn't going to be Gimli, do you know what I mean? If he would have got Gimli and like Peter Jackson said that, now he'd think, mm, poor decision. But if he's going to end up as someone, then he's not, not done badly for himself, I don't think. Yeah. But it's, right, it, it, it's not exactly Will Smith turning down the Matrix to do Wild Wild West. Yeah. And Jenga. Yeah, I, I, yeah, fair. Maybe he'd been put off Westerns by then. <laughs> um, on the Hogwarts Express, then. So let me tell you, the first thing I thought of when I saw this. So when Harry and I know this became a meme as well. When he says, uh, 
take the lot. That is how I felt the first time I bought McDonald's with my own money. <laughs> I was like, do I want chicken nuggets? Do I want a burger? I can have both. This is my money. If I want a fillet of fish as well, I can get that too. Yeah, yeah. Start, starting to wear money was really a fucker for my waistline. Yeah, oh, mate, that, that is truly the closest I can imagine to how I felt with that, where I just feel like if you want the menu, you're not asking your mum or your dad or whoever to just get you the one meal when you're there. You're in the big leagues now and you can get what you fancy. I, I remember this because when I started working at Curry's and KFC was opposite, and I've worked full time <laughs> when I was like 16, 17. And I've just worked out, worked out quick maths where average of £8 spend every single day, £160 a month. I was earning like £700 a month. So I was almost a fifth of my wages was going on KFC. That was oh, I've had two five guys in the last two weeks since I've uh, walked in there from work. Well, there's no uh, VAT at the moment, and I'm picking it up. So uh, I think it. I think it's been about thirteen quid for bacon cheeseburger, medium chips. So I mean, not cheap, but it is a great burger. I currently work no more than. I reckon I can walk to the KFC in in a minute. And you staying disciplined? Yeah, I, I thankfully I'm not a great one for eating at, at, at lunchtime, but nor am I. But I know sometimes I five guys delivered. Sometimes it is very very hard. Yeah. Like, the worst one used to be working late, and you'd walk home and like your dinner would be done. Yeah. I used to used to walk home and used to like walk out of the office and about seven o'clock, you can just smell the KFC and honestly it made me feel like Tom at like, Tom and Jerry. I was, <laughs> Cause just I had to force myself to turn left to go on. Ne- the the next scene I had down was Harry Draco and the Remembral. I don't know if I've missed any that any you kind of particularly wanted to speak about, but this scene we've had the interaction with Harry and Draco before, where he tries Draco. I mean, he's not the most pleasant of blokes, but he tries having a nice little introduction to Harry Potter. He refuses to shake his hand. <coughs> Big deal that is the disrespect there. And then we get kind of the start of six or seven films of those two going back and forth, starting with uh, him refusing to give back Ron's remember. Neville's remember. Yeah, sorry, Neville's remember. He's just backing his boy, isn't he? He's bought him some chocolate frogs. He's not frogs. even his boy, though. He is. He bought him some chocolate frogs on the train. They bonded. His only friend as well, because he's, like, he's never had any mates, ever. And he's like, you know what? He's ride or die, this guy. <laughs> like, you come for my boy and you're not getting a handshake. And he, he sticks by it. All culminating in basically Draco and his parents trying to kill him for a good majority of the books. Yeah. So I mean, what handshake could, could have cost him, you know? What a, yeah, different, I, what a different series it is if he shakes that hand. Yeah, I was saying, I thought you were saying that Neville was his boy. That's what I was saying, like, no, he doesn't need to no. back Neville like this. No, no I understand the back in, back in Ron. I mean, maybe could have made a better decision to make his life easier, as you've just said there. Yeah. Um, I mean, the quote, give that here, Mel. Oh, give it back, my friend, I'll knock you off your broom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is just... Oh, I was loving this scene. I, the biggest smile while I was, while I was watching it again. And... I mean, when he gets it and lands and everyone's and everyone's cheering, trying to be you, conspicuous because you're not supposed to be off your feet and you've got a class of people running towards you. 
no good look for Draco either. See, this actually reminds me, um, to go on a tangent, of a very similar, well, not so similar, basically, it crits. You know when McGonagall turns up at the end and you, you think, oh, shit, you're done for it. So I remember having this, like, bacon and chicken mayo baguette from the school canteen. And do you remember before they built the new building at Crypt, they had those bars on the window and the music, like, outbuilt? Yeah. And there was, like, year eights doing, like, monkey hangs off those where they're, like, hanging by their legs. And um, I just pick up this baguette and pay £2.30 for it, which is a premium back then. And I've just picked out this kid and I've nailed him from about 20 foot. Like, mail all over his blazer. Everyone's cheering, everyone's laughing. I turn around. Disgrace. And Mr. Standard had just come out. <laughs> just started head teacher that year. And that was my first exchange with Mr. Standard. <laughs> and uh, the last exchange being him kicking me out of crypt. So maybe a lasting impression. There we go. Uh, had Dan so out of this he, he gets a place on the Quidditch team so discipline there not great at Hogwarts it <laughs> depends on if you can help out your team we are it's first it's experience like life, though, isn't it? yeah like, if you're good at sport you just get away with stuff don't World's you your oyster Quidditch we, we got our first experience of it here they make it as dramatic as they possibly can. Still think the game's quite flawed. The fact that I don't really know why they bother with the throwing it through the hoops when <laughs> yeah. just count on your guy getting the snitch. But it's a it's a good scene, isn't it? It's it's again the difference in the two worlds, and we get to see their sports and how death defying it is. <laughs> like in in the book, I know I keep referring to it, but they say it in the film as well that like the longest game that went on was like yeah. Three so I guess like if it was three months long, then the scores when they're like five thousand to one thousand, yeah. the one fifty becomes a bit less relevant. But conveniently, in all of the matches Harry plays, quite low scoring affairs. Um, so this is where they they kind of start to push the Snape is the one that's doing this, and you do get well, it's not even really like a who done it, is it? Like as far as the film goes, if you've not read the book, you are fully centered on this is Snape doing this. We've got to stop him doing this. Yeah. And so you get the first bits of like Hermione doing her little bit. You've got Ron doing his bit. Um, and then we've got, oh, I was before that, I think, the battle with the troll, which I guess when we talk about the effects, that's probably one of them that, in terms of how it's aged. The worst, the worst bit for aging effects was the Quidditch match where. Some of the generated CGI CGI players <laughs> quite bad. It's like PS One graph. My main takeaway from the troll thing is five points for defeating a troll. At the end of the film, Ron gets fifty points for winning a chess match. Slytherin, it's no wonder they're a vile bunch. They've been dogged, <laughs> and you imagine it's not the first time. <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. They've been they've done been done over royally by uh, yeah. Big Dumbledore. Um, it's great just to see a shit to shit house Malvoy though. Yeah. Like, a lot is made of shit in this day and age. To shit house a shit is just perfect. The the chess match in this instance. So, and this is the research I, I go to here. A uh, Russian chess master has analysed the game. 
and broken these things down. And he says, not even in terms of kind of saying this is this, this is wrong, this is wrong. He says Ron didn't even need to sacrifice himself. Like the move that Harry makes, he could have literally just made that move in Ron's place and they get the checkmate. Like Ron doesn't need to sacrifice himself. He's he, he's just doing a save for the cameras in this instance. <laughs> save. My my do you know my biggest issue with all of that is that essentially this is a film written for eleven year olds in the mind of eleven year olds and this bloke's going to that much detail of it. I quite like well, playing chess. But I w- wouldn't go that far. I was primary school chess captain uh, if you didn't think I was cool before. Uh, I assume that <laughs> would sway you now. I've got so much to say about that. But took our school to Kings away. I tell you, <laughs> when it comes to chess, that's hostile territory. That's the fam. That's a tough place to go to get a result. That is. What an away there. Rainy <laughs> Tuesday night was it? Uh, may well have been. I, I remember when we were picking the team. I was put in a predicament. Uh, teacher, like he was trying to kind of like blood me for later on, saying. There was one space left on the team and there was a girl who was the clearly better player at chess and the other one who was my mate at the time. And he said, no, we've only got one more space. Uh, one of these is going to be on the team. One of them is going to be a standby. While they're both there, I think my mate did feel bad about it as well. Poor, poor from you. He was a family friend, so I didn't want my mum to have beef either. So. <laughs> <laughs> Pony is in it is finest. Gut check. Um, that whole thing, what caught me, it's only, it takes about half an hour to get through past Fluffy, through the Devil's Snare, get the key, do the chess match, and become and come face-to-face with Voldemort. When you consider you've had two hours up to that point of the film, I don't think it feels rushed, because it feels like just about the right length, but it's just amazing they only left that space of time, considering what we get before. I do see the points about it being a setup and kind of creating this world when you break it down like that. What more do you really need in there, though, mate? Oh, no, I'm, I'm, that's not my point with this. My point is how much you have before. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But in terms you of, get down to ultimately, like... Sort of leaving in, the half hour, I don't think they need... Maybe you exp- to expand some of the Voldemort stuff. I mean, well, to expand like more of the Voldemort stuff. And, like, the heist being about, like, 20 minutes long. Like... Yeah you're going to spend longer on it than that because it's the main crux of the film. But in this yeah. case, maybe it's maybe it's not. I, I don't know. I'm just When I pressed pause right before this and I saw the time, I was just a bit shocked because I thought I always thought it spanned for longer than that. But the chess match is pretty quick. Like In my head, from memory, that was quite a drawn-out scene and like as things are going on and that kind of thing, they get the key quite quickly considering how difficult that should be. The devil's stare, I know Hermione kind of cheats her way through it, doing the uh, light there, because Ron isn't listening. But yeah, it was, just, it was just something that caught my eye. When we get to face-to-face with Quirrell then, what do I, you think of this scene? I, I mean, just to go back to the point on yeah, yeah. those those bits, it's like they, they're trying to protect the most important thing from the most dangerous wizard of all time. And they've put a set of obstacles in place that 11-year-old first years that can barely imagine yeah. get through. I mean, Dumbledore's lauded as like the best wizard of his time. He doesn't realise that Voldemort stuck out the back of one of his teacher's head for most of it either. Yeah. 
he's but he's the only one that actually puts because they say don't they they say that each person that's protecting it put one of the challenges in place to get it his yeah. is the only one that worked yeah that is true uh, why didn't he just keep it in his in his office that would probably or just keep it in his pocket what was the crossover with the game of chess like because did Quirrell go through that and then the chess pieces kind of reform themselves and then they go again was there fatigue well, coming into play when Ron gets there? <laughs> yeah. They're run down. They've had the cup game on a Tuesday. <laughs> but the scene, I can't remember my reaction because I think I saw the first film and then read the books from memory. Do you remember the Quirrell thing as being the big reveal that it's obviously supposed to be? Yeah, because you, you are so certain that it is Snake, aren't you? everything is pointing towards him there is nothing that Quirrell does in this entire movie to make you suspect him so they've done pretty pretty well there's a video on YouTube where someone breaks down essentially all the times we should have known that it was Professor Quirrell even just in the film Yeah, it's just like his reactions and just little things like that Um, obviously he does get through it he's got the uh, bit cheesy with you know, you were able to defeat him because of the love of your parents and that's what saw you through. But a bit creepy considering the PG rating or whatever it is. It's kind of a bit dark watching his face burn and, and crumble away. I remember being a bit taken aback by it when I was younger watching it. But all's well that ends well. Your your thoughts on how that aged? Uh, well, it's... From how it's written in the book, I don't really see how you can do it different. I thought it's a bit... No, no, I mean the CGI. Uh, that, so I don't I, think I, too bad. I think the face oh, okay. looks, is what looks worse. Yeah, I agree. The face looks doesn't look good, but I also didn't think... Like, I, I'm sure at the time it was brilliant, but I didn't think it was phenomenal the way it, it looks now. From what we saw with uh, the mummy coming out uh, around the same time, these are visual effects guys. Some of them, when they're going to live in here, because the comparison, I know they had about double the budget of all these films. But they did a good job in Terminator 2, apart from uh, Aunt Bessie's moment, I think it was referred to. Yes. Some of these, I think they were just being a bit cheap with the effects. Maybe. I think some of the effects, like the one I thought, uh, the Sensors, I thought actually looked pretty sweet. Yeah. Pretty solid. And that's, I mean, I, I know nothing. My mind, I know absolutely nothing about um special effects and that as you can probably tell by the way I talk about them um, well I mean but I thought I've, surely that the, must be that must be quite a hard thing to, to mesh together the sort of half horse half humans you're kind of in between aren't we we don't claim to be experts but we like to think we have a, a, a bit of knowledge so yeah as we say on the Monday podcast with vision effects we quite literally do the eye test don't we does this look believable does it not and some of them it doesn't some of them we say, yeah, that, that looks good. Mm. So, yeah, I suppose. think it's that, that simple with some of these visual effects. Like, it doesn't really need to be more than, does it look good? Yeah, I suppose, yeah, I suppose so. I was just thinking about how it aged, and I thought it looks looks a bit rough. But I don't, again, I don't, it's not Yeah, really I think the expecting. face is what looks a bit more rough to me than the whole kind of fading away of him doing yeah, it. Good. Like, nice the shots one. where, you, they, there's a shot where, they kind of pan around and you get the side view with his face in the front and uh in the back. And that's when it looks a bit odd where you get kind of where it's like they've just mirrored it down 
with a bit fun, with a bit more funk to it. But it's a good uh, climatic finish to it. You then get the happy ending of uh, House Cup being awarded, Neville getting his props, and um, hugging Hagrid, saying, "I'm not going home, not really." And you get the happy ending that you're looking for for a family adventure film. Mm. Before we move on to uh, our other film that we're doing today, so I had a couple of questions. First of all, would you like Harry Potter if he joined your school? Kid joining it, big reputation. He's probably the most famous person of your age around that time. Everyone's talking about him. Everyone's stopping, giving him the big hurrah. Do you think you'd have your backup before you met him? Like, even if he's sound, you might be thinking, you might be giving him a bit of side eye. The fact that he comes in and becomes the youngest player on like, the sports team, you probably yeah, confer- confirms, about him. confirms him as a dick, doesn't it? Yeah. But then on the flip side, he is the one that killed the Dark Lord and everyone loves him because they're not living under this. Yeah, you can yeah. appreciate what you can appreciate what he's done, but you can still think he's a dick. That is yeah. true. Yeah, but like if you remember the in betweeners, the guy who was ill, yeah, was in the wheelchair. The wheelchair. Yeah, <laughs> that's maybe. weirdly just why where I went to as well. <laughs> um, do you remember off the back of the success of maybe it must have been the second Harry Potter film, the abomination that is Thunderpants with Rupert Grint, an entire film about fueling a rocket with farts oh i do remember that film yeah <laughs> i remember seeing that at cinema as well <laughs> i was just going to say the exact same thing to you yeah they feed him beans uh, before the big day <laughs> mm. um tough times for the guy who played uh the main, main man yeah even as this film is and it's ultimately a wizard that tried to kill a baby coming back so it's quite dark as it is Sending students into the forest seems a bit of a harsh punishment to punish them for being out late at night. <laughs> I know. And then uh, they're not even just to do that, to send them off without any adult supervision there seems even more outrageous. So safeguarding at Hogwarts leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, I mean, he, he does start off by saying, look, you're not allowed in there. But starts yeah. the speech off at the end, look, it's forbidden forest, stay away. Uh, you two boys, fuck <laughs> you, go on in. You, you, I've had enough here, get, get in there. It's a bit, yeah, it's a bit over the top. But plus as well, like, it's Hagrid's fault that they're there because they're his house with the dragon. Yeah. Like, he's like, right, come on, we've got this job to do. He's like, oh, yeah, so he's, he's fixed <laughs> up here, pal. Can't you put, can't put in a word for us or something like that? The... Um, but yeah, it's kind of, imagine if, like, the... if one of them dies, that centaur doesn't come and save Harry. Yeah. Like, Ofsted, the magic Ofsted are going to have a field. <laughs> Fucking field day, honestly. The headlines in the paper. Yeah. Big man, Cornelius Fudge. <laughs> but final thing I had down, do you remember they actually made some of the sweets from Harry Potter briefly? Like they did the frogs, they did the uh, jelly yeah, beans. I remember this. I mean, I, I've been to the Harry Potter world in Florida and it's like fucking immense. It's, I don't know if you guys have been, but it's like this. No. It's like an actual life-sized Harry Potter world and you walk in and there's shops that sell all of the stuff that you can see maybe like every flavor beans chocolate frogs that kind of stuff and I you remember get... the beans tasting them trying to work out what it was and yeah. obviously was probably just standard jelly beans that they put in different packaging but 
Do you remember quite liking the frogs though? And they did some good chocolate bars as well. Yeah, I they also, I remember they redid chocolate bars when they did the Johnny Depp, Willy Wonka, and some of them were great as well. Some of them were great. We need some more film-themed uh, confectionery. Shall mm. we go on to our second film of the evening? Let's do it. So, on to the Goonies. Uh, a group of young misfits called the Goonies discover an ancient map and set out on an adventure to find a legendary pirate's long-lost treasure. Critics reviews, Jack, do you think they're good or bad? Um... I think they must be good because of I've heard about this film, although it's my first time watching it. I've heard about it as being cult. Yeah. It must, um, must be decent. So The Goonies may have been released three and a half decades ago, but it stands the test of time. Uh, if you don't like The Goonies, you may be a little dead inside. All parcels up <laughs> in one of those gooey, money-doesn't-buy-happiness endings, so beloved by multi-millionaire producers. Well, Singapore, if you <laughs> Um, the Goonies has every imaginable funhouse flourish it has crooks, bats, cobweb skeletons a lovable monster, an underground grotto and a treasure hidden by some of the most considerate, clue-loving pirates who ever lived Uh, I find nothing entertaining about kids screaming for two hours Well, this was going to be one of my points that for a lot of this movie especially the start I had no idea what was going on because they all just shouted over each other so like all of the dialogue, I had to turn the subtitles on because I had no idea why the map was there, who, what the story was behind the map and where they were going. And like all of the initial scenes inside the house, I couldn't make head nor tail of what was going on because Chunt would just scream over everyone. <laughs> the legend. Um, final review. Uh... There used to be children's movies and adult movies. Now Spielberg has found an in-between niche. That's something we spoke about last week with Toy Story 2 as well, didn't we? Yeah. And a combination of pleasing both the adults and kids in the cinema. Um, I'll take you through the trivia that we have. So according to Sean Astin, he was allowed to keep the treasure map used in the film. Several years later, his mother, Patty Duke, discovered it, thought it was just a crinkled piece of paper and threw it in the trash. The pirate ship was entirely real. All the shots were filmed in the ship. After the film, it was offered to anyone who would take it. No one wanted it, so the film, so the ship was scrapped. Wow. What? So it was an old pirate ship, or is it? So they built, they built it from scratch. Um, So here you go. One of Willie's ship, the Inferno, was 105 feet long and took two and a half months to construct. It was modelled after Errol Flynn's ship in the Seahawk. The sails required more than 7,000 square feet of material. The largest measured 30 by 60 foot. Some of the ship's rigging was recycled for the Pirates of the Caribbean ship at Disneyland, which was being renovated at the time. Mm. Um, I don't know if I took this down later. So essentially, once they built it, they didn't let any of the kids see it. So their first time seeing it is the shot that you see in the film of them seeing it for the first time so they can get a genuine reaction. Uh, The bats were made out of crumpled black pieces of crepe paper that were shot out of an air cannon. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, John Matusak's makeup took five hours to complete. One of the eyes, which was obviously out of place on his face, was mechanically operated off screen by a remote control. Someone would count down and then Matusak would blink his other, his other eye in synchronization. What was his name? Was it Sloth or Sloth? Sloth, yeah. <laughs> um, Jeff Cohen got the chicken pox after he got the role of Chunk. He actually showed up on the set anyway, afraid they would have replaced him if he didn't. 
they obviously sent him home and just delayed <laughs> delayed that, filming his scenes. That is chump thing to do. <laughs> Very um, Richard Donner unintentionally started giggling when they filmed the scene which, where Chunk starts crying. When the ice cream gets taken off him by Jake, and this was obviously kept in the film, if you listen carefully, you can hear the director giggling off screen when Jake takes the plastic spoon off Chunk and he starts to cry. In the final sequence, when the police and reporters are asking the kids what they went through in their journey, one of the kids described them fighting a giant octopus. So in the final cut of the film, that line was left in, but there actually was a scene in there at one point of them fighting an octopus that was cut out. Um, An octopus that attacks Steph Data shoves a Walkman into its mouth and it lets go and swims away dancing. <laughs> Shame they took that out. Yeah, that's something I would have wanted to see, I think. Yeah. As I referenced at the start, the screenplay was written by Chris Columbus, who also wrote Gremlins. So when you watch back the film, uh, there's an Easter egg there. So when Chunk calls the police, the officer says, uh, this, is, this must be like the prank about the creatures that multiply when you throw water on. Brilliant. Mikey mentions Michael Jackson going over to Chunk's house in one scene. In real life, Corey Feldman was close friends with the singer, though the two later became estranged due to his friendship with Macaulay Culkin. There you go. Michael Jackson did actually uh, visit the set as well. um, And during filming, Spielberg and Richard Donner sent the boys to Dodger Stadium for the Jackson's Victory Tour that featured Michael Jackson. People were literally sending kids to him. Yeah, that seems to be a common theme. Again, <laughs> coming to our... Maybe he had loads of snakes. Maybe that was just a thing of the 90s. Maybe. <laughs> uh, in the original screenplay, there was a scene that was filmed removed from the final film in which the Goonies banging the water pipes accidentally causes zoo animals to escape and two gorillas steal Troy Perkins' car and drive off in it. I, again, why have they, why have they left that out? <laughs> um, the wall calendar seen around the 10-minute mark shows October of 1985. Uh, around six minutes in, mouth indicates that it's a Saturday. So the newspaper front page seen around the 43-minute mark is dated October 24th, 1985, which was a Thursday. All of this would mean the action takes place on Saturday, October 26th, 1985, the same day on which the events of the original Back to Future take place. Wow, what a day. <laughs> Someone's done their research there. Yeah. Um, the Fratellis, the Scottish rock band from Glasgow, formed in 2005 and known for the hit Chelsea Dagger, are named after the criminal family who appear in this film. I, I knew that would have been the case. <laughs> I, I saw him and I was like, I saw it on the newspaper clip. Fratellis. It's yeah. The only other time I've ever heard that name. There you go. Um, according to international maritime salvage law, the rights to a salvage vessel and its contents go to the person or persons who first successfully bring something off the vessel in question. Since Mikey brought the jewels off the ship, the inferno and everything on it technically belonged to him. So he should have got swimming and got out of that boat. I fucking would have. I love how they just they yeah. drift, drift away <laughs> when they know that there's millions and millions of dollars worth of jewellery and treasure on it. The sequel that's been rumoured every year since 1985 should just be whoever finds this ship. Yeah. Um, The novelisation of the movie confirms that Chunk's parents actually do adopt Sloth, going so far as to throw him a bar mitzvah. Keenan, I've got a big question for you here. 
Which adoption is more successful, Sloth in with Chunk or Archer adopting Adam in Face Off? Did you know I genuinely knew that was the one you were going to go for? <laughs> um, which which is more successful? Well, we don't really know how the young one in Face Off turns out, do we? And adoption's a strong adoption's a strong word. They yeah. one of them just launched him in the ice, and he's like, "Yeah, he's ours." Now. <laughs> he said, "It's closer to to abduction than it is adoption." Well, the mum um, dies and she's like, look after him. And you're like, all right, fair enough. Yeah, no, I there's no, there <laughs> don't seem to be a lot of legal process in, in face-off, I'll be honest. You don't take him in and be like, look, can we? No, it's just, yeah, show him up to his new room. Um, they, do you mean you know how it turns out? They throw him a bar mitzvah. You know what I'm a... saying? It, it goes, I guess you don't know how it turns out. If you get an invite through the post for a sloth bar mitzvah, do you attend? Yeah. I've never been to a bar mitzvah before. No. Be interesting. They look fun in Entourage. Mm, they, they look fun in... They, essentially, every time they're on TV, <laughs> they look fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Lou Gehrig baseball card that Mikey finds on Chester Copperpot's body is worth 275000 at auction in mint condition. So it would be worth loads. Really, they, they could have left after and not even gone <laughs> as far as to go to the jewels and they would have had 275 k but the fact that they're chucked into water afterwards, it probably wasn't in mint condition by the time they get out. So that's your trivia. Scene by scene, um, the opening scene that we get, we get the Fratelli brother pretending to be hung, the note to his chest, and then escaping through the town. I guess showing kind of how small the community is. You see every kind of character there. And you get a nice, fun police chase to uh, kick things off with. So it's, it's a good opening scene, I think. Yeah, Joey Pants there as well, Keenan, as he's then in for uh, the whole film. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> what a what a guy! The fact Genuinely. he looks that old there really does make you sink in how long he has been in the business. So think about Bad Boys Two, which is two thousand and three. Yeah. So it's what twenty twenty eighteen, just shy twenty years later, and it's eighty five. Yeah, and he's doing Sopranos after that as well. Yeah, genuinely looks like he's aged about two and a half years. Did you carry on watching Sopranos, Jack, or did you stop? Stopped in the end. It just, nothing happened. That's so disrespectful. Did you finish it, Keenan? No, but not for that. I just, it was one of their most, trying to watch 14. The film comes out in September, and I currently don't know anyone else that's watched the entire thing, so you need to get on it. If I watch it between then, should we have a cinema trip? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm game for that. I'll go solo after work on my own. Um, probably the most famous scene and what people remember whenever they speak about Goonies. Chunk doing the truffle shuffle. <laughs> yeah. Great scene. He then goes into the house and within two minutes he says, oh man, I'm so depressed and covers his face in squirty cream. <laughs> we can all relate to that a little bit. He... He's a legend. Yeah. I do remember once on my break at the co-op, I did just get a can of uh, squirty cream and had a great time just having that as my lunch. That's fucking awful. <laughs> That's sad to hear, mate. Seeing how much I could fit in my mouth at once. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not, <laughs> that's not great. Um, that that is a great scene. Do you think you can get away with some of these characters today? So say they remade it. Do you think you can get away with Chunk's character and Sloth's character? Sloth's not in it. 
least she's just not, is it? That just doesn't happen. Because um, we have kids' fat jokes, but not when they're 10. I think you could, I think you could put Chunk in it. It's a fucking, mate, it, like, I suppose it's the, the, the sort of abuse of, of Chunk, which is, is unfortunately part of the real world. But, I mean, like, kids at school, you think if you're a big lad, do you really think you, yeah. ain't, you still ain't getting out these days? I, oh, for sure. I just wonder if, I lost, if they make the film like it. <laughs> yeah, I left school a long time ago, but I, I would struggle to believe that that's still not a thing. Oh, I'm with you. Um, well, yeah, we both know the pain. And also, does Chunk deserve it? Because he is a rat. He gets off quite lightly. Well, he's not exactly complimentous, is he? In the it, nicest way. It takes him two seconds to say where they are, what they're doing, and send them their way. He only starts crying when his hand's going to be taken off. Yeah, rough scene. He saves the day in the end, so I guess it evens out, but you don't rat on your your friends. Always keep your mouth shut. I quite like the kind of mousetrap-style contraption they have just to let Chunk in the house. And You used to get this quite a lot in films like that, where any time there was anyone that's kind of science-y around or a bit of a maverick, you would get a scene like this where you're... Ticking off so many things, things dropping down to hit a switch and this cover, and I, I enjoy them all the same every single time. It's a little like bit, a little bit, bit elaborate, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's when you see the ones on like Facebook, like, yeah, it's, it's, like that crops up. I'm watching all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so they then you have the scene with the housekeeper coming in, uh, mouth talking in Spanish to her. Um, saying about the uh, sexual torture devices in the attic, don't go in there. They do go into the attic, and oh, I don't know why the kids have never gone up there, but you've got just about everything a kid would want to find up there. You've got pirate sats, you've got parts of a pirate ship. You, you, you've got everything to entertain them, and you've got a good little scene of them exploring and then them sitting down and Mikey telling them the story of One-Eyed Willie and setting the, um, the scene for them to go on the adventure. The 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 bits of a pirate ship, mind. Yeah. Also be worth money. Parents yeah. never think about that. Just <laughs> just you know, we, we've got something up there. We don't we don't need it funnily enough. We don't plan on sailing across the world. Can we? Strange one. Yeah. Um but that's that's a good scene. You kind of see the boys come together, you see Mikey is doing the prepared to take things into his own hands to get the job done. And by this point, we have seen each one's uh, personality. You've got the scene with uh, Chunk just showing how clumsy he is. He knocks two things over in the first 20 minutes, including taking the uh, dick off the statue. And the do you know, as, as, I was, as I was watching it last night, do you know what it ran, like, at one point just, fo- just um, popped into my head? was just, <laughs> it's funny because he's fat. Um, <laughs> with Mr. Chow. Yeah, they certainly, what I was saying, would they make it? There's no issue with fat jokes in films. That's never going to stop. Just my thing was the fact that he's so young in the film. I did wonder whether they'd do it. I, guess, uh, I don't know whether they would, but they parents do. Yeah, parents. I'm sure there's some parents that chunk their kids up just for this kind of role. 100%. Um, so you've got the scene with uh, Brand, as uh, he's called, the older brother, chasing after the Goonies. He sees... Uh, Andy in Troy's car, which for a start, considering they've apparently got this thing for each other the whole time, doesn't hesitate to go and get in this other bloke's car and have a little <laughs> ride around with him, even when he is uh, manoeuvring his mirror to look up a 
skirted all sorts. Again, that um, in a film. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it probably ages better if you watch um, Back to the Future in the same year. So this seems quite tame in comparison. Yeah, He's not doing a biff. Um, the thing is, holding onto the bike probably could have killed him, sending him over the edge and driving 40 miles an hour, but we're supposed to see this as just hey, this guy's a bit of an asshole, he's trying to get the girl. As he sends him <laughs> over Attempted the edge. <laughs> yeah. And they aren't too concerned either, the two girls. Are like, they only get out of the car when they say that uh, he tries making a move. So after he's been sent off the edge, they carry on like, they just carry on like normal. <laughs> um, the scene with Chunk being interrogated, unbelievable. The way they kind of cut away and you have the serious parts and then they cut back each time and he's talking about spewing over the edge in the cinema, pushing his sister down the stairs <laughs> and everything. You, you can understand why the director's laughing while filming this because I, I was cracking up just seeing it again. Yeah, that it was funny. It was great. I actually think I'd prefer this film watching it now than I did when I was a kid. I think I'd like to have had that nostalgia feeling from from being a kid because I kind of get drawn to that review of it's just not that entertaining to watch kids shout over each other for two hours. But I'm not saying I don't enjoy the film. It's just I wish I could have... I find it quite strange because my mum doesn't really like films but I look back at the films that I was kind of had put in front of me when I was a kid the likes of Goonies, Rocky and Star Wars this kind of thing did quite well considering you're willing to admit Stand By Me is a better film than The Goonies that's actually on my list I've not seen it wow wow that's where um, I knew the mouth from and then I was like, oh, everyone else has gone on to do movies. Why hasn't he? And I looked up and I wish yeah. I hadn't. It made me feel really, <laughs> really sad. Um, Mouth, probably not a nickname you want. You're probably going to have different connotations about that if you have that nickname in 2021. Mm. There we go. Hopefully you grew out of the nickname. Um, the whole thing of just discovering the treasure, it is nice to get the payoff of it not just being like a little treasure chest and something you do get the whole elaborate like they've gone to this way they've got the kids and they've got they've really lent into the junior indiana jones which they try doing years later to a horrible effect but it works well doesn't it like you've you've got the payoff of that you've got the little things like holding on by this little teeth contraption he has and everything so once they're doing things like that they really can go all in and you you can have this big pirate ship with the skeletons and all sorts yeah. Works really well, I think. Yeah, definitely. The director, by the way, um, directed one of the Superman films, which is why they have the uh, sloth rip off his shirt to have the Superman one underneath. <laughs> that was just a little uh, PJ between them. And then the final scene, them not signing the papers, as they say uh, in the one review, they they kind of force this happy ending on. They don't need the, the reunion of them all. Because in, in the book, um, like it was... It wasn't a book, but in the kind of screenplay, the, the novelization of it, they go back to the house and they're kind of gutted that they were this close. And then the housekeeper is chucking his clothes in the wash and then she sees this bag that has the jewels in it. And then they have the realization they don't need to sign and they're happy ever after and all this. But from a film's perspective, 
you can understand why they have this kind of grand reunion on the beach. Everyone's parents are there. They're all saying, like, having you is worth more than us having our particular homes. Considering it's like the most sloped town in America, and it's apparently they're building a golf course there. Seems odd. But... (laughs) By the way, housekeeper finds a bag full of jewels. Yeah. (laughs) She's not giving it back. I did think this, um, especially as... The kids have been kind of addicted to her up until that yeah. point. The only experience yeah. she has is them doing Spanish and saying, don't go up there, he's got torture devices. Yeah, she's not that emotionally invested in these children. No. She's, she's, um, she's given these jewels back and she's gone back home to a starving family. Like, I did a really good thing today. So I had some questions down for the pair of you. Um, first of all, I will just say, so the screenwriter Chris Columbus said the original pitch for the film the story was conceived by Spielberg. He said, it boiled down to a basic idea. What would a bunch of bored kids get up to on a rainy day? Quite the jump to go from that to going on a treasure hunt in an underground tunnel and all of this. So you can see how these things develop. Always the dream, though, isn't it? Always the dream. Um, adventure as a kid. The dead guy in the freezer blinks several times and his expression changes if you watch that scene. He's actually smirking at one point. I do think as well that I find it funny when Americans talk about like really far back um, years in time and it's like 300 years. And it's like, well, our school that we went to was like 200 <laughs> years older than that. Like old for us is like 1500. I do always enjoy that tweet where someone has the date of like when Stella was first made and they say <laughs> blokes in like shining armour going around with a Stella. Um, so first question obviously we know what each actor goes on to become if you had to buy stocks in one of these actors in 1985 which one would you have invested in it would have been mouth I agree with you and that's again why it's so sad what about you Keenan yeah it's well so I mean, it's Corey Feldman. It continues yeah. to be Corey Feldman for probably another two or three years. Yeah. Maybe even a little bit longer. Um, if you'd have wanted one, because, I mean, he would have been cheap in 1985, but if you'd want wanted one now, you would have been wanting to be on, be on Brolin, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. W- watching this, and easy to say now, could you have predicted the careers that Josh Brolin and Sean Aston in particular go on to have? Um. No. But Brolin, I mean, because I was watching this, as I do with pretty much everything, anything we watch for the pod, I end up just sitting and Googling shit for about four hours. You do the actual research. I just do. Re- yeah. I just read about the actors because you're much better for the pod than I am. Um, but, like, if you actually have a look at Josh Brolin's career, I would argue it's it, no country for old... It's 2007, but probably no country for old men is where it starts. Yeah, it's a late bloomer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, he's done some other stuff, uh, but he did some, like, directed DVD stuff. But he does Grindhouse with um, Tarantino. Um, or, oh, sorry, Robert Rodriguez, as it is. Um, so he's actually in Grindhouse. Then he does No Country for Old Men, American Gangster. He's in briefly. And then after that, it just bang, 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 bang. Well, around say 2007-ish as you've said there there's just kind of a renaissance for 
a rugged man with a grisly voice. And if you've got yeah. those two things, you're going to do that. <laughs> if you've got that and you've got, like, you're some, somewhat good looking, basically, you can, you, there was, for a long time, you could make a career in Hollywood. Yeah. Like, because you can be rugged and not be good looking, but, <laughs> like, if, if, if you look, Look as though you you were once once charming, then you yeah. could, you can probably could have could have uh, got a career. So, I've got another question for you. So, if we were to picture an amazing race style competition here, so I'm going to give you two teams of four Goonies made up of characters of a similar age from uh, other films around the time. And you tell me which one you think you would put your money on to make it to the treasure first. So the two uh, captains of either of these teams, on the one hand, you have uh, Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. And leading the opposition is John Connor from Terminator 2. It's important to note that none of these have any powers. None of them have any of their props um, to an extent. So if they have any kind of machinery, they don't have that as they're doing this uh, race. So, alongside Kevin McAllister, you have Junie Cortez from Spy Kids. You have Charlie. You have Charlie Bucket from Willy Wonka, and you have Zach Attack from School of Rock. Uh, in the other team, you have Short Round from Indiana Jones joining John Connor. You've got George Little from Stuart Little, and you've got Kelvin from Like Mike. Oh, I, I, you've got to be back in um, John Connor. Then. So. I tried to do it as even as possible. So you've got two kind of gadget guys with Junie Cortez in short round. They're, they're kind of your, your data in this uh, situation. Charlie Bucket and George Little are kind of your wet lettuces that you've got on either side. They can kind of take on a chunk roll if needed, if you kind of need to give someone some jip. Um, and then Kelvin and uh, Zach from School of Rock, they're just kind of your standard average kid you've got going along there, they can be uh, your mouth or whoever else you want them to be. Who's your number one pick in that draft? Probably Kevin McAllister. Yeah, you think? Yeah. I think I take short round at one. Build my team around him. Kevin McAllister is just as good with uh, with the gadgets. And in terms short, of the short pace, round, short Short round outruns the Nazis. I know Kevin does. Kevin does well. <laughs> yeah, Kevin does all right against against Joe Pesci and his mate. But I mean, short rounds out here fight fight fighting Nazis. Yeah, because the the issue is that you've got some wingers on both of these teams. Like Zach from School of Rock, certified winger. His his dad tells him you got to do your homework before you listen to music, and he has a right sulk for the whole uh, day until he has his little song. Uh, George Little, I think he's going to drag you down. George Little's soft. Yeah, I've not got too much faith in him. But then Charlie Bucket, I also don't have much faith in. But then he does have a certain drive. I mean, he gets a man out of bed that's not walked in however many years. So <laughs> a golden got, ticket. So, yeah, if he, if you need to kind of get that final boost, maybe he's your man. Maybe he's, he's going to do that. So I think my money's on Team Kevin McAllister. Yeah, see, uh, the, 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 the Team 1 is uh, it, it wins wins that race. So it would be a good a good little race to see. Um, do you think either of those two teams beats the Goonies, or do you think the Goonies have got the perfect setup? Well, oh, the Goonies have got experience in this; they've been and done it. Yeah, I was going to the older together. brother. 
give one of them Marty McFly and the other one Ferris Bueller, but just stuck with the Goonies. Ooh, out of those two, who do you take on your team, Ferris or Marty McFly? Uh, it depends on the team, really, because I think the team with uh, George Little in it, you might need someone like Ferris to give him that boost, give him that pump up and get him going, whereas Mike McFly, he's probably more equipped for the task. He's going to get you out of these situations if you needed. So I think you put Martin McFly in there with uh, Kevin McAllister. I think you're onto a surefire winner. Okay. Don't mind it. Don't mind it at all. Um, I think I have any more questions that I had. No, I didn't. Um, I realised we didn't do the... Uh, categories for either film so if we do the categories for the standard ones and then we'll do the kind of voting as a whole so we'll just kind of spend a bit longer doing that rather than uh, ask you for your favorite scenes only to ask you again a, a couple of moments later for which one's your favorite eight five so, episodes in and you're still forgetting these things well th- it's because the format's been a bit different for uh adventure so uh I don't have the same critics reviews, trivia, quotes, categories. Yeah, you seem to have cut the quotes out. No, no, we'll 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 get to them, but I mean when we were doing comedies it was just certainly there was a lot more to it. So good. But yeah, we'll 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 still we'll still do the quotes. I've got uh, plenty down, so uh, HP Junius. Alright. Um so in terms of preference, do I need to ask you which one you preferred, Jack? No, it was Harry Potter. Uh, Keenan, what about you? No, I prefer Harry Potter. I actually prefer Goonies this time around. I don't know if it's because it's fresher, like I didn't know what was coming, but purely on preference, if I was voting for one, no, it, it would be Goonies, but uh, it was close enough, so it would be cool. Um Rewatchability, Keenan. How long of a two and a half hours did Harry Potter feel compared to Star Wars and Lord of the Rings? Less. So Star no, I said Wars so. is literally the same length as. So, like, did it feel considerably less? Or yeah, I did say to you that Harry Potter would be my number one out of those three. Yeah, yeah, I just, I was just um, interested. Yeah. But like, having watched, having watched them all. I can't believe I've had to watch all of that shite in the last four weeks. God alive, sorry. Disrespect. Sorry, my bad. Um, sorry, that's actually blown my mind a little. Um, having watched Harry Potter again, like it's considerably my favourite. I actually think this is just you're going to laugh, but I think if you offered me the chance to watch the other two Lord of the Rings films, the other five Star Wars films so I'll call it the original six yeah. or the other seven Harry Potter films is it? Something like that. I I think uh, compared to Star Wars I'd definitely take Harry Potter and uh, honestly I, th- I, would, I would consider watching all seven Harry Potter films before I'd watch <laughs> the other two Lord of the Rings ones. Which, which one of the two uh, films did you think was more rewatchable out of Harry Potter and the Goonies? Oh, Harry Potter. I won't be watching the Goonies again. I wasn't... Oh, you like it? No. Oh, I didn't, you disliked didn't... it? What, the Goonies? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've told you this. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, oh, have I not? Sorry. I've had oh. this conversation already today. My apologies. It's been oh. a long week. Uh, no, the Goonies it wasn't for me. I, do, I did actually know that already before watching it. 
Um, if I want to watch a film about four mates going on an adventure from the mid eighties, I will watch Stand by Me every time. Yeah, and, and Jack, same question, but first of all, how rewatchable is the Goonies in your opinion, and which one do you think is more rewatchable of the two? Um, I think Harry Potter is more rewatchable, and I know, I don't think I'll ever watch the Goonies again because just purely because it's not something I'd seek out. It was too difficult to watch at the start when all the scenes were being set because they were all shouting over each other, which is why I wish I had that nostalgia reference that <laughs> I could look back on with fondness. I had a uh, 4K copy, so it was even uh, it was quite cool seeing it all remastered. That's Do true. you think so the two of you um, have said that you're unlikely to rewatch it? Do you think there's any scene in there, whether it's the truffle shuffle or anything else, that you're likely to YouTube for reference, or just if it gets mentioned in passing and you go want to rewatch a scene, you ever likely to do anything like that, or is it just on to the next no. for you? No, yeah. I won't. Well, well, I'm not even going to rewatch the truffle, truffle shuffle. No, I, I don't. That doesn't do it. Doesn't do a lot for me. It never. I like even when I watched this when I was younger. It that didn't do a lot for me. Or in being interrogated. No, okay, mate, it didn't do a lot for me. The only thing you might hear me shout randomly is "Hey, you guys." <laughs> but again, probably not sure if I can do that in this day and age. Um, <laughs> Did you like when? Uh... Sean said in the chat the other day that he didn't like the Goonies, and I said it's because people used to shout "Hey, you guys!" at him in the street. I did. Um, <laughs> I did enjoy that. I, uh, I, man, I, I can honestly say I don't. Again, you and I seem to be opposing ends a lot in this bracket. No, um, I, Goonies is it's not it's not one of my favourites. I, I I enjoyed the the rewatch, but I think I preferred it more than I did when I was uh, young. I thought it was just a fun, feel good. Uh, kind of film you, you um, do love a feel good film didn't you but I do think um, Harry Potter was uh, more rewatchable um, oh, of the films seen... that I've had from the 80s that I've had to watch through your choices on the bracket this is the worst one I've just seen Sean has actually sent his picks through should should we count his picks or because of the fact he's claimed he's too tired are we ignoring his picks um, I mean if, he's, if I realise you're going to Say probably say no, but I mean, as he's compared to Jack not submitting him when he's not here, if Sean's bothered to do it, I'd probably say we include him. All right, well, it hasn't affected anything so far. The preference he gave Harry Potter rewatchability to Goonies, but uh, doesn't make a difference there. Um, best moment slash scene, uh, Sean's gone for Harry Potter. Keenan, what do you think? Uh, it's Harry Potter. Uh, which particular scene? I will give you either the chess, uh, the game of chess. Yeah. I feel like me and you actually spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. How much I like that scene. I think so. I'm sure we did. You must be someone that looks like me. You're chatting to. Lucky no, guy. this one was definitely you. We we had a conversation for one of the times where oh. you FaceTime me. Oh. Um, for sure, we we had this conversation. Um, or outside of that, I actually like I like the scene in the lighthouse okay I always did as a recasting now I'll just let you know that um, Hasbulla in Gringotts Bank is going to be uh, my pick there <laughs> give me Hasbulla as the young Dudley 
thought that would be sensational. <laughs> him stomping on the stairs. Him jumping down the stairs. <laughs> him just throwing them little, them little leg kicks at Harry. I can imagine him uh, riding on the back of the snake as it's going out of the zoo. Hasbulla, leader, legend. Do you know he's actually 18, by the way, Jack? Like, that isn't like an internet-like theory. He is genuinely an 18-year-old kid. Who? Have you seen this little kid that's going around on Twitter? Oh yeah, he looks like a baby. Yeah, he's eighteen. He looks like a he looks like a baby, but also looks like a fifty year old man in one face. (laughs) He's um he's eighteen. He's actually nineteen, I think. Um, he's a blogger in uh, Russia who's got this kind of uh, condition. He's got got Benjamin Button disease. Yeah, that's not actually me taking the piss. That's the informal name for disease. He's got deep dive. uh, (laughs) Mate, I've been I've been I've been on his his fan account Twitter. I've probably scrolled. <laughs> I've seen every tweet on it at least three times. Um, Jack, for you, um, what's the best moment slash scene? Goes to Harry Potter and probably going to give it to when he first goes through Diagon Alley and you see the Wisdom World for the first time because okay. reading the books as a kid and then get to see it all brought to life. That was pretty magic. Not that whole scene, but um, not all all of that. But when I was a kid, the scene, I, I randomly really liked the scene in Ollivander's Well, Oh, it's quite dark, him saying, ooh, the one that put that scar on your head and killed your parents. Let's test that one out with you. Mm. Um, the scene for me would be between uh, the Hogwarts Express and uh, Chunk being interrogated. Chunk being interrogated is my favourite of the two. That's the one I'm most likely to YouTube uh, to watch again but i do get such a buzz just from hearing him say yeah we'll take the lot <laughs> each time and he you don't see any bags so I, I hope he at least packed that away because uh that's an awful lot of waste if not it could have kept him going if we go on to the quotes so if we start with harry potter um Hermione kind of, I remember the being not so much the most quotable, but hers kind of stood the test of time when you left the cinema that were in your head the most, whether it was uh, Wingardium, Leviosa, um, her saying, uh, I'm going to bed for you if you come up with another idea to get us killed or worse, expelled. And she has a lot of lines like that, doesn't she, where it's essentially just saying, I'm obsessed with my studies. This is the joke, basically. Yeah. Anyone got another uh, quote for us? You're a wizard, yeah. Harry. <laughs> this is a little one. <laughs> that one for Jack, I think. Yeah, a wizard, yeah. Harry. Um, I also like. I'm not going to spin you through the whole quote, but actually, it's a scene. I can't. Sorry, I've missed out. Um, where he gets sorted into Gryffindor, and there's the. That must take an age, by the way. Sitting through that. What the old the old thing? Yeah. For 400 kids doing that, yeah. If I was a teacher, you'd yeah. be thinking, fuck this, come on, let's go. And they all know that they aren't having their food until everyone's been sorted into the right house. Man, yeah. you're starving, you've got that train, uh, and you're I, waiting for them to get through that. You've just unlocked a memory in my mind, then, I've got to say it. Um, AJ, um, it, when we were in primary school, he was in the Red House, and I think I may have told the story before, but. I think someone gave him like five points in like house points. And um, he said, oh yeah, five points to Worcester because that was the red one. He goes, don't you mean Gryffindor? 
what are you doing? <laughs> Alex, uh, Alex is uh, far more of a Ravenclaw man, I think. Yeah. The, yeah. the opinion I get there, it, it's it's not it's not the top dog. Seemingly, everyone goes into Gryffindor in this film, but I imagine the people in Ravenclaw feel good about themselves because they're not in Hufflepuff. That's essentially my view on it, and I can imagine Alex taking that stance, and Sean actually. And I actually another memory is unlocked where he was in the red house in our non-school uniform day. He had to wear the colours of your house and wore a Man United shirt. <laughs> oh well, no, I know that's not a lie because uh, famously he did the weird way and uh, wait for them to have their success, and then joined Spurs after having a taste of it. Very odd <laughs> way around. Um, I don't like that. Snape, uh, good little th- where he says, uh, who possessed the pre-disposition, uh, I can teach you how to bewitch the mind, ensnare the senses, tear out a bottle fame, brew glory, and even put a stopper in death. I'd be, you'd be tuned in if, if that's the case there. Yeah, and then he digs Harry out for taking notes. Yeah. And I want to I wanna concentrate to this guy. And he digs him out for it. Yeah. <laughs> what guy? Come on, he's got a hand up uh, trying to answer all the questions. Troll in the dungeon. I was I yeah. keen on this actually. So the actor that played Quirrell, I was doing uh, my research because I thought <laughs> he's kind of an attainable contact, uh, Jack. You know, when we look through and yeah. kind of say, look, if, if if we're doing super bad, we may not be able to get Seth, but we may be able to get I don't know Becker or someone else in that film. Or we kind of and that, analyze the roles there. So I was looking at him. He seemed attainable. Had a quick look at what he'd been up to since, realised he hadn't done a lot. So he went into doing uh, plays, which wasn't ideal because he'd already come out and said he doesn't see why actors go into like uh, Broadway or whatever because he doesn't see how you can put in an authentic performance if you're doing it three times a day for three months or whatever. So he'd already come out with quite a stance against uh, kind of doing shows. but. Mm. So he's doing a show. Um, I, I read what the show was, but it didn't mean much to me. And uh, towards the end of the first act, he turned to the audience and pointed at a bloke in the crowd and said, uh, can you shut the fuck up? We're performing here. Be what? quiet. So the bloke, the bloke that was talking to his wife, he claimed he wasn't, others say he was. He thinks this is part of the show and doesn't believe he's done anything wrong. So it carries on. Um, they go in, and they have the break, they come in, and it carries on towards the end of the play. And the guy that plays Quirrell tells him again, shut the fuck up, and he gets off the stage and tries to do him in. He's throwing punches and kicks as he's being dragged away by security. No And uh, taken away, they say he's cracked. And, uh, yeah, he, the guy didn't press charges, so he kind of avoided the questioning about the situation. The guy that it happened to did a... I think he was interviewed by the Telegraph or something because they were there reviewing uh, the show that night. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's not had too much of a uh, big career since. So the guy that plays Quirrell turns out to actually be a maniac. So <laughs> don't talk while he's performing. A maniac. Um, <laughs> other quotes. I actually really want to interview him now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's... I know what we said about the cast that Harry Potter. <laughs> you've, had, you've had one be booted off for rioting and uh, smoking weed, which in the grand scheme of things, 
I'm sure some of them have done far worse. I don't know if I'm getting kicked off for that. But, and then we've got this family-friendly film, Wood, before the game of uh, Quidditch, saying uh, about being scared. And he says, I don't remember, I took a bludgeon to the head two minutes in, woke up in hospital a week later. Troll in the Dungeons is another uh, classic there. Yeah. Leave it here, Malfour, I'll knock you off your broom. Perfect. I do wish we'd had TK on to do a, uh, what I must say is a very good Seamus Finnegan impression. <laughs> was it on the podcast that he did it? He may have done it on a Monday podcast. Well, abandoned us any of these days, I'll yeah. Thomas. Maybe, maybe we'll get him on loan next week while Sean's away. Um, I, want him, I want him to be there for the, the heat pod because I feel like he would appreciate my, my enthusiasm. Whereas I don't think you will. <laughs> no post on Sundays. There we go. That's the other quote I had. Any more before we go on to Goonies quotes? Jack, I'm sure you've got something to say. No, <laughs> no, all good for me. Uh, so from the Goonies, hey you guys, as uh, Keenan Chunk's whole uh, confession. Just a Andy quick one. Have you? Yeah, sorry, mate. I was just going to say I, I found this out no more than an hour ago or thirty minutes ago. Whilst we were doing this pod, do you know what the guy who played Chunk does now? No. Just founded his own law firm. He's a part of founding partner in a law firm. <laughs> That's great. Absolute legend. Winning life. He was in like three films. Stopped acting. Played football in. Played Amer- uh, American football in high school. Lost some weight. Went college. Became uh, apparently a fairly successful lawyer. There we go. We see now things can change. You can either uh, start rioting or you can uh, be a man <laughs> of the law. Uh, in, the, in that child acting game, mate. Apparently yeah. stopped like a. Uh, they say on it in Batman about living there. You either die or live live long enough to see yourself become yeah. the villain. He's got out clean. <laughs> Andy's saying, I can't tell if it's an A sharp or it's a B flat. And Mikey's saying, if you hit the wrong note, we'll all be flat. It's a very you joke. <laughs> Data's having his moment with his dad. That's okay, daddy, you can't have a photograph. And he says, you're my greatest invention in Chinese. Um, Can you say it in Chinese? I can't, I'm afraid. <laughs> Give it a go. Mikey, looking at the broken statue, said, oh my God, that's my mum's most famous piece. <laughs> and uh, Chunk says, oh my God. And Mouth says, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't. What do you think of uh, Mikey sneaking his uh, sneaking a go on his brother's bird? The highest level of disrespect. And then... When his brother realises, she's just saying, she just kissed him again, like, don't worry about it. It's all good. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's been bigging him up, saying uh, that wasn't the same as it was earlier. Yeah, 80s were wild. And she says to him at the end, even if other things don't develop properly, keep kissing like that and you'll have girls all over you. It's a bit dark for a uh, <laughs> kid's film. Uh, you idiot, you glued it on upside down. You dork, if God made it like that, you'd all be pissing in your faces. Quite a sweet quote to be fair. If I found one eye one I will is rich stuff, pay one more dad bills so maybe he could get to sleep at night. It's quite nice. Yeah. Because I mean if you'd have asked me at that <laughs> age what I mean if you asked me now what you'd do with that money, if, Jesus, the, the answer wouldn't wouldn't resolve wouldn't resolve around paying bills, I know. When we were saying about whether you could do this film today, there's an awful lot of jokes that are essentially centered around Data's accent. And yeah. him saying booty and booby and all these things. 
Yeah, again, prob- probably not in there. <laughs> I'm saying booty traps. You mean booby traps? That's what I said. God. Um, nice little yeah. moment. Mouth uh, saying uh, he's taking his coin back. This was my dream, my wish, and it didn't come true. So I'm taking it back. I'm taking them all back. Chunks lies. More amazing than the time you save those old people from that nursing home fire. More amazing than the time you ate your weight in Godfather's Pizza. That sounds like a hell of an evening. If you ever want to try it, we can get on that pizza at Buffet. We're we're still due to uh, attempt the Harold and Kumar get the munchies order. Yeah, I I think I've actually thought about this recently, (laughs) which is terrible, but I have thought about it. I think I've got a compromise for you. I think 89p, or I'll let you do it with cheese if you want, but I don't like, I wouldn't eat the cheese, which is, might cause me an issue. But I think the simple, plain McDonald's hamburger or cheeseburger, as it might be, is the yeah. closest you're going to get. Yeah, for sure. Now, would you estimate, how many of those would you estimate would, would make up 30 White Castle sliders? Well, I'd say one of them probably is a slider, it's worth, so. Probably Do you think the so? Equivalent. Yeah. So I think, they'd be, so I, think they'd, I think they'd be bigger than a slider in terms of circumference. Mate, I've, I have already thought about it. So I reckon we could do it. Well, something to plan out in the future if I ever see you again. Oh, well, um, I'd like to. It'd be quite nice, actually. Yeah, just been a while. Yeah, that's been to be fair. Um, I've got an idea. Why don't we just spread chocolate all over the floor and let Chunk eat his way through? He says, "Mouth, I've taken all I can stand, and I can't stand no more." And then he's ready to throw hands. <laughs> See, you don't want a big lad reaching breaking point. If he catches you, don't. Uh, if he catches Especially you, not when he's got sloth on his side later on. Oh yeah, that's true. But if he catches you, when he winds up, it's all over. Although I can't see Chunk doing a lot in the t- in terms of turning the hips over. <laughs> Keenan, what do you think is the best quote across the two films? Uh, I think it would probably be you're a wizard Harry Jack what about you give it here Martha I'll knock you off your broom Uh, Sean gave it to Harry Potter as well and uh, I would probably agree with you Jack that's the one uh, I enjoyed the most Um, MVP it's it's got to be Harry Potter really hasn't it Yes. Do you say otherwise, Jack? Or um, yeah, it's gonna have to be Harry, or maybe Hermione. Sean gave it to the Goonies. More, it's strangely, I even though the film essentially centres around his, his him and his two new mates, Goonies is actually closer to an ensemble, isn't it? Yeah. So, it's, it's a weird well, one how they. It's a weird one how they do it. Sorry, man. I was gonna say it's just a weird one how they do it for the Harry Potter films because they're like integral to every move that, that happens and they're central to everything like every conversation etc etc but they do that for, for seven books and eight films but you just know full well they're just there for the ride it's like Suarez and Neymar were still you knew who they were but you're under no <laughs> illusions Messi was the guy yeah yeah I like that it's a nice that's a nice analogy big fun um MVP of his goonies, I probably would have given it to Chunk, but uh, his uh, snitching does take him down a mark for me. <laughs> Best side character, Sean has given it to Harry Potter. Jack, who do you think is the best side character across the two films? I'm giving it to Hagrid. 
Okay, so there you go. I'm giving it... Sorry. I'm giving it to Sloth. He's got a lot to deal with. He's got a lot on his plate. And he saves the day. And then settles in nicely with Chunk Chunk afterwards. Seamus Finnegan probably would have been my second pick. Keenan, what about you? Uh, Snake and or Hagrid. Difficulty of adventure, Keenan. Uh, this goes to the Gooners. Jack, what about you? Um, yeah, Gooners. Well, say Harry Potter faces some bigger obstacles. Let's not forget they are all magic at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah sure, like, it's Gooners as well. He had a lot of help as well. Yeah, it does get a lot of help. Whole team of the Gooners, but I feel the Gooners, real life problems, calls for real life solutions. Yeah. Uh, visual appeal. Is anyone giving this to the Goonies? No, I don't know how good your 4K copy was. Uh, no, it was it was it was really uh, nice, particularly the scene with the pirate ship. But I still um, the shot that springs to mind for me is when they're in the boats going across to Hogwarts, and that always uh, kind of catches my eye. Is one I think is a really nice shot. So that's the one that I would say for me and just the appeal of seeing these different. Uh, settings and things that you're not usually seeing in films so there we go um best soundtrack keenan all right it goes to harry potter jack yeah same yeah i agree uh originality keenan gooners i agree jack what about you i guess because it's based on a book you're gonna have to give it to the gooners aren't you well, Goonies, this was quite unique for its time in terms of having the kids' adventure kind of, this this kind of film. This essentially sets in motion all of the films that we get for the next however many years. Like, yeah. you don't get Stranger Things in the same way that you do if you don't no. have films like The Goonies to set it up with. I did um, see a lot of Stranger Things in The Goonies. Yeah. Uh, including Sean Austin. Yeah. <laughs> Super 8 is one that kind of went under the radar, but I watched it at a cinema and it's, uh, it's quite good for a... Uh, is that the kind of Spielberg does, one? Sorry. Yeah, it, it does essentially like borrow a lot from uh, The Goonies, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun film. I watched it at the, the cinema. Um, which film had the bigger impact, Keenan? So, I feel like the obvious answer to this is Harry Potter, but what do you think is actually? What do you think is more more impactful for this in like the modern day, the books or the actual films themselves? So I think these I'd days probably, people recognise again the books more than they do the films. I would probably go for Harry Potter. I mean, I don't know if that's just because of the timeline for us, but um, maybe I feel you, yeah. I feel like as much as Goonies was probably the influence for the way that it happened, I don't think. I, I'm not saying you're not ever getting a kind of ensemble kids adventure kind of thing that you do in the same way as this, where it's kind of that in between kids and adults. Like I think that's definitely going to happen regardless. Just it's the way it's done in this film. So I think the impact, maybe that sped it along a bit more, but I would still go for Harry Potter and the impact. I mean, if it didn't do well, you wouldn't get all the films afterwards. You wouldn't get the clamor of the way people were like, it was a real thing, like having to tell people before you entered a conversation, like, don't ruin Harry Potter for me when the final books were coming out. 
Um, yeah, no, I've told you before. I think I said. Uh, I think I yeah. said it on on the yeah, podcast on the before. Yeah, about it, like the midnight releases and stuff. I'm yeah. sort of acutely aware in my house of how big it is. I think it is the answer, but I, I, it wasn't. As I close went in a uh, robe to collect one of them. So no, you <laughs> fucking didn't. In, yeah, I did. There was a picture of me on the wall in um, Waterstones, and I had to uh, go and take it down so no one could see it. <sighs> yeah, bad, I'm isn't it? I'm so sad. And I went as uh, Hermione on Cub Camp. I look more like Hagrid. <laughs> yeah, see that. <laughs> um, Jack, what do you think is the bigger impact for you? It's Harry Potter, I think. I think more people that haven't watched Harry Potter know Harry Potter and quotes from it than me only knowing the Truffle Shuffle from the Gooners. But um, I, my, to my point, that's, that's my, my point to it, Jack. You're probably right, mate. But I would guess that would be across the eight films. Yeah, I suppose. But... Yeah, I get what you're saying, Keith. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not, I, I think Harry Potter is the right answer, but I, I think you're right. More people will know about it, but this is what it's, but more people would know stuff like Dumbledore dies, so on and so forth. Yeah. If you ask someone who hadn't seen it to tell you something about the first film, I honestly think they, I think some people might struggle. Yeah. But I do, I do think you are right. It's the right answer, but it wasn't like, wasn't sort of blown out the, the water, whereas I think Sloth and Chunk from the Gooners would probably be are probably recognisable most everywhere. That is true. Um, Jack, what do you think is the best opening scene? I still, it's definitely Harry Potter for me because the Gooners opening scene I've complained about it all pot where they just shout over each other all the time. What the police chase? Oh yeah, I suppose. I'm still it's... giving it to Harry Potter because it's. I'm going, thinking back to when I first saw it as a kid, and it was like just the awakening of everything that you've read about. I'm quite comprehensively giving this one to uh, the Goonies. I think this is probably one of the better scenes in the film, the way they kind of set everything up. You get the cool double cross with the police and the notes, and then uh, just the trip through the town. And I do quite like uh, kind of long credit scene like that at the start of the film, as uh, you kind of get the introduction. Back in the, a couple of years later, they'd start doing the. Uh, someone would be on their skateboard on the way home as you get those credits in that scene. But what do you think is the better opening scene, Keenan? Oh, I get, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. I gave it to the Gooners. And so did Sean. Um, Keenan, which film do you think has the better ending? Sorry, just clearing my throat. Uh, I gave it to. I gave it to the Gooners, mate. I'm in agreement as well. I think if you end after the house cup and fair it gets a bit oh, do we need the Hagrid thing on the train the little cringy bit him going back to give him a hug uh, oh, I'm, not, I'm not really going home yeah, all right. yeah. <laughs> yeah um, both do what they're supposed to do um, I, I, I like the scene of the pirate ship coming out and sail, sail away and have the big shot of that and uh, all of that with the Goonies. So Goonies would be my pick there. Sean also gave it to the Goonies. What would you have picked, Jack? Yeah, I'd probably stay the Goonies. It was. And then finally, we have Harry Potter uh, chemistry. Keenan, which way would you give this? Uh, I gave it to the Goonies. Uh, Jack, what about you? Harry Potter. Sean gave it to Harry Potter, and I'll give it to the Goonies. 
Um, I will will say why, because I I feel like Harry Potter is, again, the obvious one. I think, obviously, as happens, it's bound to happen as you write more and you develop the characters more, but the chemistry Chemistry between the three of them grows through the film and through the books. In in the first one, obviously, they come together, but it's not at its peak, is it? Part of the point of the first one to at least over the halfway mark is that they don't have the chemistry between them and they're an, they're an unlikely group of friends and then yeah, it kind of goes from there and it's only really uh, up until they kind of overcome the odds to get the Philosopher's Stone that they really click and become that friendship mm. group I have to say a lot of credit needs to go to Ron and Hermione because they're on it from they are, but they yeah. are they've got him <laughs> they've got his back from the jump yeah and I'd don't know. I don't know if I've got that, that streak of loyalty. No. <laughs> it's they're a believable group of mates in in the Goonies, considering you don't get a backstory or anything like that. Yeah, just throwing them in and just kind of letting them work between them, just as mates in the opening scene. They are a believable group of mates. Everyone has their kind of role in the group. Quite impressively done, I guess. When you look at what the actors became, you can see why. Uh, I'll just tally this up. Now, uh, so Harry Potter does go through to the next round. 9-4, the final scoreline over the Goonies. I um, can tell you now that uh, that will go through to face the winner of next week's matchup, which is Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl against Space Jam. That's a good week. Do you just not charge your headphones? <laughs> they only have a certain amount of uh, charge in them. Well, so, I uh, would, would assume so, but I've had them for uh, that long that it's. Uh, I think the mic uses more of the battery. So if I'm just listening to music, then uh, it's quicker. But um, yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean against Space Jam is uh, next week's matchup. We don't have Sean again. Um, so we'll see how that goes. We do have the talking points. Uh, Jack, are you sticking for the talking points or are you uh, bouncing and coming back next week? Yeah, I've got a bounce. So I'll see you guys right. next week. Adios. Ta-ra. Goodbye. Okay, and we will just run through these. Uh, real star of the film, uh, Harry Potter, I think, is quite clear. Yeah. For the Goonies, what do you think? For me, I'll give it mouth. Yeah, I I agree. Although I do think Sean Astin's character does a great job. He's just kind of the glue, isn't he? He's there. Mm. He's like the easy point guard facilitating everyone else. Um, but it's believable, like his role. I, I do believe that he's there. He's not pretending to be overly brave. I guess part of it is the fact that kids even kind of get away with their being naive, and so it's only when they're in the final situation that they're scared that yeah. the bad things are going to happen. Up until then, it's just seeing this and being a kid, you fear the thing. Yeah, our parents should. We'll get. We'll take getting in trouble. Um, recasting one role. So I mean, we've given Hasbulla a role, and I did say <laughs> that I think if you remake this now, Michael Sarah as uh, Professor Quirrell is as good of a casting call uh, as I can imagine there being. I just. I, I think he does the role more perfectly than it's done in the film. I don't see it. You can't see him doing the kind of stuttering. and. I can see him doing the stuttering. I just can't see him doing 
I don't know. It's hard to describe. I just can't just can't see him pulling it off. The stutter, yeah, because I mean he does that in every film he's in. I don't know if it's naturalized yeah. or if he's actually got a stutter or if it's just an effect that, that, that he uses. But um, I can't see it. I'll be honest, mate. Have you ever watched uh, Arrested Development with him in it? Uh, no. Not good in that. I've not finished it, but him and uh, Jason Bateman. Sorry, I say no. I've seen maybe ten episodes of the series. Is it? Is all of it on Netflix? Uh, it was, but I don't know. I've not watched it in a while. It's just a good little easy watch for if you want. I watched about ten ten episodes of the first series, yeah. and you know, like you say, it's quite quick, but it didn't do a lot for me, so I knocked it on the. It's the season where he's after his cousin, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, weird. So, <laughs> um, if the cast swapped, which film worked best? Probably yes. Harry Potter going into the Gooners. Yeah, I agree. Probably do a good film with that, to be fair. Yeah. Um, if you had to add... Well, they're not... Um, Chris, sorry. Charles, I was going to say, they're not... In a way, I mean, they are, but in a way, they're not... They're not the, they're not the most dissimilar films, are they? No, and they're most they're group, supposed to be the same age group. Yeah, it's a group of friends looking for something, which yeah. is how much of... In every one of the Harry Potter films, barring maybe the fourth one, where it's actually... Or it's, it's sabotage. Or, or sort of malicious intent, but the second one he's searching for the Chamber of Secrets. The third one he's searching for the prison for Gary Oldman, Sirius Black. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the fourth one's obviously is what it is, and then the re- they, they're looking for something. Yeah. Um, if you had to add either Hayden Christensen or Christian Slater to the film, which would it be? Again, Christian Slater goes into the Gooners. It's his era. Yeah, is he one of the kids? Is he the older brother? Is he one of the Fratellis? I put him in as one of the Fratellis. Probably have to be uh, Joey Pants would you say? Yeah, I like that. I don't mind that at all. All the other, all the other guys, to be fair, a bit more threatening. I uh, would rather, I'd rather keep Joey Pants, but I do do like him in the role. You know, it took me a significant length of the film to work out that it was their mum, the other one. Mm. <laughs> like, I thought it was a bloke. <laughs> at least until like halfway through when it kind of clicked and they say like uh they, they refer to his mama don't they at some point yeah. the police officers like, okay i can see it but i'm like this is just like a man <laughs> i wasn't too sure um if you had to add either harrison ford or paul rudd to the film which would it be i would like to see paul rudd in the gooners can you get Harrison Ford in Harry Potter? Put him in as Filch. Yeah, okay. Just that angry, old, shuffling around, mumbling guy. I was trying to see if there's anyone else that I could picture him being. Snape was the first poor call I was going to go for. But... <laughs> he don't do a better job than Alan Rickman. No, no. Um, which low-key piece of memorabilia would you take from the movie? Um, from the Goonies, sorry, over Ron's mum's uh, jumpers, big K, big K on the front of it. Yeah, I wouldn't mind yeah. that. I don't know about in Burgundy, to be fair. Got that in the locker. I think I would have either one of the brooms. Mm. Nice. I've, I've always quite liked the Gryffindor tie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like that. It's low key, if you can get for memorabilia. What are you taking from Harry Potter? Is that a jumper or... 
I don't really know, mate. To be honest, low key because there's some stuff you want, but I, t- I don't quite describe it as low key. So low key is like you can't have the DeLorean from Matt Steve. You can't yeah, exactly. have the pirate ship in the Goonies. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. Funny Goonies, I think I'd take Chunk shirt. Yeah, it's a great shirt actually. Um, I thought I'd I'd big... Hey, <laughs> was, uh, he's a kid. Yeah. He's a big kid. Yeah. Um, um, oh yeah, I, I do like that shirt. I have to say. Um, from Harry Potter, do you know? I don't, I don't know. So no, in uh, one of the later films, some of them chocolate frogs. Yeah, it's not a bad shout. So one of the the, the big big tankers in, uh, that they drink out of in the pub. Yeah, say no butter beer. Um, and then finally, if you had to make a spin-off TV series in the world of one of the films, which would it be? Uh, the Gooners. What then? Going on different adventures. I wouldn't mind that. A little follow-up. Um, what happens when the Fratellis get out of prison? They start uh, they back on the back on the hunt trying to reclaim those jewels. Yeah, I can see it. I can, I can see either. To be fair, there's so much in Harry Potter that it doesn't even need to be centered on Harry or any of the main characters. No, they well they showed that with the yeah. follow-up books and films that she made. Yeah, whatever you think about those. <laughs> no, I've never seen them. Uh, you're not missing too much. Um, but that does just about do us. Uh, just about on the two and a half hour mark so still uh, long pod parts of the Caribbean and Space Jam next week for us to get into look forward to seeing Space Jam again you're not going to yeah. tell you dislike Space Jam are you no I can't wait to watch Space Jam it's alright then um, I also I think I've said this to you before but I also really like Pirates of the Caribbean there we go alright so thanks again for listening we'll be back next week goodbye